clouds are blowing in the wind He's crossing your mind again You've got that sad, sad feeling From a broken heart Feeling so close to the end Let me love you tonight There's a million stars in the sky Let me love you So lost when it sets you free They say once in your life You find someone that's right Someone who loves you like me Hello Hey, it's Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN uh, Live in the Skyline studio, 18 stories of a beautiful downtown Chicago We are here until 4 a.m. And um, at at four, we head over to uh, Bradley Place on the TV side and get some news and information from those great people. And then at five o'clock, it's uh, the one and only the great Bob Surratt. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred is the phone number, and uh, we've got uh, some fun guests uh, coming up here. Our, our old friend Tom Appel is going to join us after midnight. He's from Consumer Guide Automotive. He joins us once a month to talk cars, car stories, and take your. Uh, uh, questions as well and if you need advice you know you know, buy or lease a car uh tom can help you out he joins us once a month also joining us uh, once a month and uh, after one o'clock jim ryan will be here he is an entertainment and music writer for forbes the daily herald in chicago now uh he always uh talks to us about some of the concerts that he's gone to or some of the things that he's been writing about or interviews that he's doing always a lot of fun we'll play a round of uh rock of ages which is a music trivia game that we always play when jim is on with us and uh, so there you go. Uh, we're going to talk about states with the worst drivers and what are your driving pet peeves. I know we could probably do an entire show on that. Uh, <laughs> um, here's I don't and I don't understand this. There's a drive-through haunted house opening in Japan. How is how do you do that? You drive through and then people jump out on the car. Is that what happens? And then we have the uh, strangest drive-throughs. <laughs> Do we know? Can we trace back to when the first drive-through was invented? You know, and what what was the what was the food what was the fast food place that did it? Was it McDonald's who who invented the drive-through? Or it was actually a place in Los Angeles um, called the Pig Stand. A franchise location of a popular place called the Pig Stand. The Pig Stand? Yeah, 1931. Holy cow, it goes back that far? Yeah, 1931 in Los Angeles. The Pig Stand began allowing drivers to order through a window of the store rather than with a car hop. You know, you remember car hops? Of course, yeah. On the roller blades and such? Well, roller skates. Roller skates. Yeah. Um, But other chains soon followed suit. I think they still have car hops. Do they still have them at Superdog? You know, it's been a while since I've been to Superdog. I think they'll... Obviously not right now. Not right now, but... But, uh... You know, they put the tray on the side of the window on the car. You roll the window down. Yeah. Sonic still kind of does that. Sonic still does that? No roller skates, though. I think the roller skates are what's what's missing. Right. But uh, other chains soon followed suit, and in 1948, the first true drive-thru went into business in Baldwin Park, California. 
1931, huh? Mm-hmm. What's it called? Pig stand? Yeah, the popular pig stand. A chain. It was a chain, believe it or not. <laughs> pig stand? I'm assuming that they sold, like, pork sandwiches and stuff. That would be my my guess. It's a great name for a great name for a place. And you know what the uh, first drive-through was? It was this little this little place you might have heard of, very exclusive to California, mainly the West Coast. Uh, I believe it was called In and Out Burger. Oh, In and Out Burger was the first one on the on the West Coast. Yeah, complete with a state of the art intercom and lack of seating. Wow! Delivered on its name. Well, now there are drive-through haunted houses. I don't. I don't understand. I, I just don't. I don't understand. Um, you know, we play back uh, classic Johnny Carson bits, um, whether it be stand-up or sketches or things like that. And we're going uh, back to 1990 for a visit from Karnak, which is my favorite. I know you like uh, Art Fern. Mm, yes. But uh, I'm a Karnak guy myself. I love Karnak the Magnificent. So uh, that's all coming up. 312-981. By the way, did you see, you know, we have a story here about... Um, a bat with human-sized wingspan. Have you seen? Have you seen this thing? It's remarkable. It's terrifying. Native to the Philippines. Terrifying. I believe it's a five point uh, five foot five wingspan. Oh my god! So just a just about the size of the uh, average what I saw average UK male. Say average height of a UK male five foot five. That's the average height. Yes. Really. Yeah, that's from the Daily Mail. About roughly around the average height. Wow. That's short. I mean, I'm 5'8", and I'm considered short. Okay, I don't know. 5'5 five, five just seems a little little low for the uh, the average height of somebody in the of a man of a man in the UK. I don't know why I find that just a little weird. But anyway, this bat is is, is insane. I'm, that's the. Those are the only animals that really completely freak me out. Not a bad guy. Oh no, they scare the hell out of me. They they totally freak me out. I don't know if it has to has to do with you know as a young child seeing, you know Dracula and and all that stuff, but they're just freaky looking animals. Well, it's funny we call seagulls and pigeons rats with wings. These are literally rats. They're with terrifying. Wings. <laughs> no, they're terrifying. I I, I mean bats are. I, I think bats are terrifying. And to have a like a giant bat like that with a wingspan like that? No. No, thank you. They should put it in the, the drive through haunted house. Just drive through a bat cave. Yeah. And then at the end, a billionaire who dresses up as a bat jumps on your car. Yeah. Just say get off, Bruce. That's Tom Hush, by the way. He was off. Uh, you were out. And you were in Iowa, and you burned I the was. hell out of your feet. I did. I couldn't walk for a day. I don't understand you. I, I trust me. I didn't try to. I wasn't trying to. When you forget to put your uh, banana boat on your uh, your banana boat sunscreen on your feet, it's going to get burnt. So you, you were in Iowa. You couldn't walk because you burned your feet. Yeah, I, I just for one day. That sounds like a sat, fantastic. Sat on my duff and watched some Blackhawks reruns. That's well, okay. That's a good way to. <laughs> not bad. No, that's not bad. Well, all right. Anyway, your feet are fine now, for the most part. Yeah. Okay. And he's back, and we're here. Uh, we're going to break when we come back. Uh, Steve and Johnny are going to join us. You obviously know who Steve and Johnny are. They're legends. Um, they were friends with Charlie Daniels, and Charlie Daniels just passed away. 
And so um, we're going to get their thoughts and their stories about being with Charlie Daniels. And uh, and they wrote a wrote a nice piece about it. And uh, he was 83 years old. He was a he was a legend, Charlie Daniels. And so we'll talk with Steve and Johnny about their relationship with the late great uh, Charlie Daniels. Dick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We are live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock. Uh, it's, it's a Monday night into a Tuesday morning. Um, and yeah, and by the way, I want to thank everybody for all the uh, the birthday wishes from uh, today. I appreciate that. Um, I'm old. I'm 55 now. Turned 55 today. But uh, thank you for all the wishes, uh, you know, um, all the shout outs and all the Facebook comments and all that cool stuff and the phone calls and all that. So thanks. It was it was a, it was a 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 good birthday. It was fun. Didn't really do anything, but it was fun. <laughs> and it's always hot on my birthday every year. So uh, Charlie Daniels passed away. Uh, legend in the music uh, world, and uh, in order, to, we, we wanted to talk a little bit about this. Uh, Stephen Johnny knew uh, Charlie Daniels, and of course, obviously, Stephen Johnny, legends um, in the world of radio and late night radio, uh, and they had a relationship with Charlie Daniels. And we thought we'd get Stephen Johnny on to talk about him uh, and remember him. Uh, hey guys, hi Nick. Hey Nick. Hey. Happy birthday. Happy oh. birthday, Jackie Daytona. <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny every time. I know. <laughs> Every time. Um, so, well, thank you for those for the the wish and birthday wish. I appreciate that. Um, all right, Charlie Daniels, where, where does the relationship start with you guys? Uh, for me, it started in 1975 at the University of Tennessee in Martin, Tennessee. I was on the stage crew, and he came through with um, a brand new album out, and uh, he was on the same bill with Elvin Bishop, Wet Willie and a few of the Allman Brothers, so it was like this crazy country rock show. Mm. But I remember standing on the sidelines, and he unveiled his new song, The South's Gonna Do It Again, Mm. and I thought, I will never experience anything like this at a live concert again. It was scary. It was wonderful. The crowd was crazy, climbing the rafters, and uh, afterwards I got to talk to him, and then... Some 35 years later, I got to tell him that story in person in studio. Wow. What about you, Steve? How's it, where's, it, where's it go back for you? It goes back, well, to initially playing his music uh, when I was over on the One Speak 89. And then I believe the first time that we talked with him, it was at WGN, and he'd just come out with an album. And that was a phone interview, but then we wound up having him in the studio uh, several times. And it was one of those times when, you know, sometimes when you interview someone that you're a fan of, it is, uh, you know, your expectation is a whole lot more than the interviewer the person turns out to be. In Charlie's case, we just felt so comfortable with him from from the get-go. It was like we were talking with an old friend. And that first interview turned into a long-term friendship. Yeah. Wow, that's great. That's great. Let's, let's talk a little bit about his career, uh, um, Steve, and how he got started and, and, and that kind well, of stuff. Like that. he was uh, 
he was a session musician for a long time down in Nashville. Early 60s. I mean, he was a, he was a guy in his 20s. He came out of North Carolina, ended up in Nashville as a as a bass player, and then eventually people realized that he could play a whole bunch of instruments, so he was a very valuable uh, studio musician. And and also songwriter. If uh, anybody remembers one of the uh, Elvis Presley cuts, uh, It Hurts Me, uh, Charlie Daniels wrote that. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And then Charlie was also in Bob Dylan's band, the traveling band, for a while, and recorded. Uh, he was on at least three, three of albums. Dylan's uh, albums. And uh, one of the greatest albums of all time, Nashville Skyline. Mm-hmm. Charlie was on that one, too. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because that's it's doesn't that seem a little bit like when you first hear that, doesn't that seem like an un, unusual combination? It that would does. be like Bob Dylan and Bob Dylan yeah, and yeah, Charlie Daniels. You got to remember before he did. Uh, it, I think it was probably in late seventy three, seventy four, when he was just starting out as a solo performer, having come off of his uh, years with Dylan in the late sixties. He wrote this song, and, and uh, that presented himself as a long haired hippie who ends up in a redneck bar. You know, he was kind of taking that approach of, you know, I'm, I'm a stoner, I'm a hippie, yeah, I smoke marijuana. Yeah. <laughs> and then gradually the pendulum started swinging in the other direction, big time. Yeah. But it was really funny because whenever we would talk to him, we would, you know, do the montage of music and take you back to those days when he was the stoner ending up in a biker bar with a bunch of rednecks. And, and one of the many reasons that that we had a good relationship with Charlie is Politics never got in the way, and uh, I don't think it's any big secret that our politics and Charlie's were on different sides of the aisle. Mm-hmm. But that never came into play. He was a gentle, nice man. If you had Charlie Daniels as a friend, you had a friend. Mm-hmm. And he never, ever brought politics to the stage. Now, there are some performers who, uh, if I think country music, I think Hank Williams Jr. is a good example. When he was, he would go on tirades on stage, and and as a result of that, he lost the uh, the football uh, theme that he did. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And because he, you know, dang it, I'm going to say what I feel. Well, Charlie had some strong feelings and and about politics and where we were going as a country, but he didn't take it to the stage. So a lot of people were not aware of that side of him until. We got computers, and he became very, very computer savvy, and then started sharing his thoughts on his page on his soapbox. And, and he was very outspoken on his soapbox. But he never endorsed a political candidate. But you knew where he was coming from in his right. politics. I mean, it was plain as nose in your face. Johnny and I were just talking about it, and it was back in uh, 2016 when somebody was asking him who was he uh, going to vote for, and he said, "Frankly, I don't think either one of them belongs right. in the White House." Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, you know, and I I I didn't really realize his politics uh, were were that uh, were that strong until just reading about him. You know what I mean? Well, it was it was something that I never really even knew about. I think, and if you only listened to Charlie's music, especially his hits, you wouldn't have known that. But but in later years, right. that side of it started to come into his music. I think it really happened for him post September 11th. Yeah, and he became angry. And he even told us, he said, I'm scared and I'm angry. And throughout all of these years, there was one constant with him. He might have shifted politically, but there was one constant. He was always pro-vets. 
Oh, absolutely. He worked tirelessly for veterans' organizations to bring awareness to veterans. He would bring that part, if you consider that political, he would bring that to the stage when he would say, you guys must know that there are veterans that are committing suicide every day. And he'd give the number for that day or that week, you know, to make people stop and think. But one of our uh, favorite memories of Charlie was uh, the night we had him in studio, and Charlie mostly played just Les Paul guitars. And collected them. And uh, we got into a conversation about uh, Charlie and I both being guitar players. We started talking about uh, guitars, and he was uh, talking about Les Paul guitars and how much he loved them. And uh, we surprised him by bringing Les on the air. Well, we got the distinct impression that he thought Les had passed away. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> because he said something in kind of a wistful in a, uh, tone, sort of like, boy, it's a shame I never, never got to meet him. <laughs> and so <laughs> no. when we went into a, uh, a commercial break, uh, I Steve told looked our at me. producer... Oh, well, you looked at me and gave me the talk sign because yeah. Charlie was sitting right next to me, so that meant I was supposed to do the talking while he's whispering to the producer. And you remember how that worked in the old studio. And so I could say, oh, no, he's going to tell the producer to call Les Paul, and Charlie thinks he's gone. He's dead. This is going to be really weird. <laughs> yeah. And that, so uh, out of the uh, the break, we said, okay, we're going to the phones, and we brought Les on, and uh, Charlie was just blown away. <laughs> yeah. He was freaked out. And he even said when he wrote a chapter in our, our in our book that he was flabbergasted. I think that's one word for it. Yeah. The other word was like, oh, crap, I can't say what I'm really feeling on the radio. In, in fact, there's a wonderful picture, and it's on our uh, the, the blog post that we just did today. And if you want to read it, uh, the easiest way to do it is go to steveandjohnny.com and click on our Both Sides Now blog, and you will see a picture of Charlie performing with Les Paul at the Club Iridium. Now, every picture you ever see of Charlie, he's wearing that big old hat. Yeah. Out of respect for Les Paul, Charlie took his hat off, and if you look at that picture, you it's a picture of two guys in hog heaven just playing their guitars and having a real good time. Yeah, wow. Okay, and people can check that out at stephenjohnny.com. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and, uh, so how many times can you, can you say how many times he's, he was on your show, Charlie? Oh boy. I, honestly, I don't know because he was in studio with us, uh, a few times. We did tons of phone interviews and for many, many years on our New Year's Eve show, we had to start off the show with Charlie wherever calling in from wherever he was performing that night, and it became a tradition with him that he wanted to start his year on our show, mm-hmm. and that was one of many fun things that we had. So I don't know. I, I would guess maybe dozens. we had him at least dozens of times on yeah. the show, yeah. sure. And wow. we talked to him off the air, too. I mean, we would be in contact with him off the air and uh, exchange Christmas cards. and uh, Well, and then there was the time he uh, for, for Christmas when he sent us a, a big old country ham, and he sent it to the station, and Bob Collins well, saw it first. He was convinced and, it was for him. And we said, no, it's, <laughs> it's got our name on it. You don't even know. up fighting Collins for Charlie Daniels' country ham. I don't I remember, know. Bob says, you don't even know what to do with a country ham. I said, excuse me, I'm from Tennessee. Yeah. This is valuable meat. Leave yeah. it alone. This is, <laughs> this is, did you actually say this is valuable meat? I did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, guys, hold on, okay? Okay. 
All right, Steve and Johnny are with us, remembering uh, Charlie Daniels, who passed away. He was a friend of them, uh, of theirs, and uh, appeared on the show many, 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 many times. And we'll talk more about Charlie Daniels. And if you want to jump in here, it's 312-981-7200 on the Team Hochberg phone line. 312-981-7200. It's uh, Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago, uh, here until 4 o'clock. Uh, we'll be joined uh, by after midnight by Tom Appel for his monthly visit. He is uh, the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive and host of the Car Stuff podcast, and he can answer any and all of your car-related questions. If you're looking to buy or lease a car, he can help you out, and we'll also talk about some car news. Jim Ryan will join us a little bit later on. He's a music and entertainment writer for Forbes, Daily Herald, Chicago Now. Lots of uh, great stuff to talk to him about as well. Right now, uh, we're being joined by uh, Steve and Johnny, um, who uh, were friends with uh, Charlie Daniels, who just passed away, and we wanted to get their thoughts on on Charlie and some of their stories. Uh, welcome back, guys. Thank you. All right. Uh, so he was born in North Carolina, correct? Right, yep. right. And he lived in um, Mount Juliet, Tennessee, mm-hmm. over on uh, East Tennessee. I'm from West Tennessee, and we like to point out that there's a big difference. They have mountains over there. We're from the flatlands. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. And is that is it, it was that near Nashville at all? Uh, it's west of Nashville, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, excuse me, where he lived was east of Nashville. East of Nashville. East okay. of Nashville, yeah. Did he spend? He spent a lot of time in Nashville, I'd imagine. Then. Oh gosh, yeah. In fact, he could just you know scoot over there, but he had his own studio, had a beautiful facility, gorgeous home, and uh, he, he, was, he had a uh, basically a temperature controlled vault where he kept his guitars. That's true. Yeah. And that, really. When you oh, yeah. when you told Steve that, I could see Steve start trembling. Like, I need that. Yeah. Why don't I have one of those? <laughs> and one of the many cool things about Charlie, everybody thinks of him as being a country performer. But if you listen to particularly some of the albums that he did over the past, I would say, 10, 15 years, you'll hear a lot of blues. You'll hear some really cool jazz. I mean... He was an excellent guitar player. He was a a really well-rounded performer. Well, we and yeah. every time we talked with him, uh, for, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was Johnny's brownies or whatever, but he would get really relaxed and <laughs> kind of go into into things you wouldn't expect. Like he'd talk about his love of jazz and why he got. Uh, a particular guitar, things like that. So it was always fun to talk. Or his home life. I mean, oh, yeah. he was happily married to one woman for 50 years, Hazel, mm-hmm. and uh, she's still around, and there's a, a son, Charlie Daniels Jr. But, you know, as far as him being a, a great guitar player was concerned, he was originally thought of as a bass player. That's right. when he was a session musician. And then he uh, was dabbling with the fiddle and realized, I can recall him telling the story of the devil went down to Georgia, he, he wanted something that sounded eerie and kind of spooky, and the best he could come up with was multiple fiddle sounds. 
And, uh, I mean, I think you don't have to love the song, but listen to it musically, and it's really, it, it does mm-hmm. evoke that emotion of, of there's something bad going on here. And Max Armstrong um, from the WGN Farm Department uh, told a story today on his uh, Facebook page about interviewing Charlie, because Charlie would often come out and do the sandwich fair, and he would do county fairs, and that sure. would would run into him, and, and he always wanted Max to give him the opportunity to tell the story of the farming accident he'd had, because he was, I, I don't know an auger, I know a tractor, but I don't know what an auger is, but apparently he was working with an auger, and somehow he got his sleeve caught in it, and as he told the story, the um, auger almost ripped his arm out of the socket, oh. broke, broke his arm, broke a couple of fingers, and when he got to the hospital, he said, look, you know, I'm a guitar player, I have a feeling those those days are gone. Just fix my arm so that I can play the fiddle. And so he was resigned to the fact that he was never going to play guitar oh, again. Wow. But they kind of like what happened to Les Paul when he yeah. had a car accident and they thought they were going to have to amputate his arm and he'd never play again. But obviously Charlie did go back to playing guitar. And uh, he's had a number of crazy experiences. It's just a few years ago that we thought we'd lost him because he'd had uh, uh, a heart attack. Yeah, a heart attack. And, and that that's one of the reasons why uh, when we got the news today, it was out of the blue because Charlie had been doing really well. Lost and a lot of weight. enough, we heard the... Uh, the news first on WGN. We we're listening to John Williams, and yep. uh, that's where we first heard it. And yeah. we were just stunned because Charlie was doing okay, and he looked great because he'd lost quite a bit of weight. He, mm-hmm. he was. He used to talk about how you know he was comfortable in the body that he had, and as long as they made jeans that were big enough, he could find a belt that would hold him up. And but because of his health, he did lose weight, and he yeah. looked good. And people thought he was sick initially after he came back, but he said he was just going to change his lifestyle and. And he seemed to do that for the last three years. And he was still a road warrior. Oh, yeah. He was constantly on the road. Constantly. But you talk about Charlie and some of his stories. One of the the sweetest gifts we ever got from Charlie was uh, back in the days of analog tapes. He sent us a tape, and it was a Christmas story that he wrote. And it uh, wound up being... A favorite on our Christmas special each year. It was, it was just about, a, a, about twenty minutes, about twenty minutes long, and he did, he just decided when he found we were going to be doing a Christmas special, he said, "Here, if you'd like to use this," and we played it the first year, and we got so many requests. It was just really, really nice. Wow, uh, that's that's something I would never have expected. It. <laughs> yeah. Well, he he was a really good writer. I mean, if you went to the soapbox page and you got through the the, the political stuff that was taking him off on a particular day, uh, if he was writing about his family or if he was writing about if he was writing about religion or yeah. God. I mean, he he was really able to put together uh, a, a feeling. He could he could evoke emotions, and that's why we were thrilled that that he wanted to write a piece about us introducing him to Les Paul, and he wrote that beautiful piece for our book. And you know, when I read it, I, you knew that he did it himself. That that's the key thing. Whatever you saw, that's really who he was. And that's one of the reasons why we stayed friends with Charlie, even though you know our politics were were divergent. But he was real. If you didn't agree with him, you knew that he wasn't putting on an act. You knew this was just who he was. And he was very, very honest, and, and we respected that about him. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Well, you can be friends with somebody if you don't have the same politics. That's, Absolutely. You know, you, uh, that's, that's, what I, that's what I think. Uh, we have a caller uh, who just called in. It's Bill on WGN. Hi, Bill. Hi. Um, yeah, this is Bill from Danville. Steve and Johnny, uh, this is your artist Facebook friend from Danville. That mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> we've spoken about uh, some things that you guys are going to be doing. Um, uh, I see where you kind of been talking already about Charlie's patriotism mm-hmm. and his faith, and uh, I constantly read his um, blogs and his little Facebook posts that he he would uh, put out usually mm-hmm. weekly and sometimes sooner than that. And I just kind of wanted to get your take on uh, how he was personally. He he just seemed so honest and and uh, yes, he did have his views and and uh, I, I know that there would be some that would not agree with him or whatever. But uh, I have rarely ever seen in the comments from his Facebook posts and that anybody who was. Uh, anything but kind to him, even though they might have had a differing view. Mm-hmm. And I think, as we were saying, I think one of the reasons for that was because Charlie was being honest. He wasn't posing. He was just saying, this is what I feel. Now, could we and did we sit right across the table from Charlie and knowing how he felt and him knowing how we felt could we still have a really good conversation to be friends? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Yeah, you can you you can do that. Thank you for the call, uh, Bill. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred is the phone number. The first song that I remember hearing uh, by Charlie Daniels was "Uneasy Rider." Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and I love that song, mm-hmm. and, and yep. I remember just loving. And of course, "Devil Went Down to Georgia" was a massive hit, but mm-hmm. "Uneasy Rider" was the first one that I distinctly remember hearing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then uh, many years later, he, he would have um, these uh, sweet, soft moments. Uh, one night in our studio, he did a song called The Little Children. And I got to tell you, there wasn't a dry eye. I mean, the newsroom was standing yeah. up. Uh, uh, Paula in, uh, in the producer's booth is standing up. We're all going, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And it was all about the, you know, you got to love the little children. And I thought, where is this coming from? Yeah. And uh, we talked about the, the Christmas uh, story that he wrote for us. A song that we would play along with that story is a song that Charlie did called My Christmas Love Song to You. You wouldn't have been surprised if it was Nat King Cole doing that song. Right. Mm-hmm. It is a beautiful song. Charlie wrote it, and it's wonderfully orchestrated, and it's it's as far from Uneasy Rider and Devil Went Down to Georgia as you can imagine, and it's beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But that's why he's in the Country Music Hall of Fame, the Musicians Hall of Fame, uh, Songwriters Hall of Fame, uh, and, and again, you might say, well, as far as country music is concerned, his politics is uh, is uh, is aligned with the majority of those people. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not true. You can't take that brush and you know paint it. Yeah. It's because people appreciated his talent, and they mm-hmm. separated his talent from maybe something they disagreed with him politically. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's you know you can do that like we just said you know I mean that that's the, well maybe we need to do a little bit more of that and then then we can have conversations with people and yeah. <laughs> you know heart to heart and find out where they're coming from and tell them if you know you with respect tell them if you disagree with something because I remember clearly I said to Steve I, I, after September 11th and he came out with a song called This Ain't No Rag. It's the flag. Yeah. And I said, every time I hear that, it just it, it makes my skin crawl because I felt like that there was an underlying anti-Islamic message that was a little heavy-handed. Mm. Well, I got to tell him that. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, you're not the only one. And he said, I don't do it on stage. He said, I just felt that way. I walked in my studio. I recorded it. And I guess I really wasn't prepared for people interpreting it the way they did. Now... Was he playing Mr. Nice Guy? I don't know, but I choose to, you know, to trust him and believe him when he told me that. Yeah. And I was just looking at this, and, uh, you know, some of the, as you said, he was a session musician uh, for a long time. And he's on recordings by Bob Dylan, Ringo Starr, Leonard Cohen. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's as varied and uh, as it gets. Yeah, exactly. And it's because he was that good. Mm -hmm. And, And he had that much respect from people within the industry. Well, uh, he was with Dylan in the late 60s, cut to so, so, six seventy. Like 30 years later, he did a tribute album to Dylan. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a guy, you know, who's waving the flag, and he's he's associated with all, all things that are to the right. Yeah. And yet, he loved Bob Dylan so much, he said, I want Dylan to know how I feel about him. And Dylan came out and made a statement and said he loved it. He was very, very pleased that his buddy took the time mm-hmm. to to pay tribute to him that's amazing and he didn't get you know i think he resigned himself to the fact that he wasn't going to get radio airplay he was yeah. you know far past that but he never had a problem selling out concerts and that's why he stayed on the road about 275 days a year in fact some of our fondest memories were times when we would be down in panama city beach yeah Charlie would be uh, doing a sold-out concert about a mile from our house, and we would make plans to, to meet Charlie uh, at one of our favorite restaurants or something after the concert. But during the concert, we'd sit on our porch, and we could hear the concert just as clear. In fact, somewhere, I think I have a um, an audio tape of one of the concerts. Wait, does that sound like a bunch of introverts? Wait, yeah, it we, does. We, we go to concerts a half mile away, yeah. sitting on our porch. There you go. Uh, well, it sounds like you guys had such a great relationship with him. We and- did. It- and and you know what? I come Christmas, I will miss uh, because every year we get a Christmas card with him dressed up with his wife and their dogs and the snowy chalet that they lived in in the mountains. And uh, you know, we'll probably pull out some of the music and I'll chuckle because I'll think, "Wow, that seems really dated." But then again, some of it is kind of come around. But, but but then again, I would say for people who would like to know Charlie Daniels, look beyond the hits. Seek out some of the music that Charlie recorded over the past 10 years mm-hmm. and get into the blues, the jazz, the rock. This was an extraordinarily talented man. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for your thoughts and your stories and everything, and uh, rest in peace, Charlie Daniels. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Appreciate it. All Thanks. right, guys. Take care. Steve and Johnny, uh, reminiscing about Charlie Daniels, who passed away, and they were friends. Uh, and he was regular on the show. And so we thought we would get their thoughts on uh, 
on uh, Charlie Daniels, who just passed away. So, all right, uh, it's Nick DiGiulio on 720 WGN. White Snake. <laughs> I understand it's Starship, but it so sounds like a White Snake song. So, hey, it's Nick DiGilio on 720 WGN. Hey, coming up after midnight, our good friend Tom Appel is going to join us for his monthly visit. We're going to talk cars, and if you have any automotive or car related questions or concerns, he is here for you. 312-981-7200. And then music and entertainment writer for Forbes, Daily Herald, Chicago Now, our good friend Jim Ryan is going to join us. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. 312-981-7200. And the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. So I was just looking online, and um, there's a bar, a pub in London, uh, that was named after a slave trader. And so they're changing their name and their temporary name. They put a sign out outside the pub and their temp- their temporary name is Ye Old Pubby McDrunk Face. <laughs> I don't know. I think that, that I don't think that should be temporary. I think that should be the name. Ye Old Pubby McDrunk Face. It's a pretty catchy name for a pub. <laughs> The sign is hilarious, too. It says, the clearly temporarily named Ye Olde Pubby McDrunk Face. Uh, suggestions welcome, obviously. So they're changing their name, but I, I think they should stick with Ye Olde Pubby McDrunk Face. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't do a lot of fishing. I did when I was younger, but I haven't gone fishing and I can't even remember when. Um, but I don't know if, uh, you saw this story out of St. Louis, um, a Missouri man landed a near record catfish while fishing in the muddy waters of the Mississippi river in St. Louis last week. According to the St. Louis post-dispatch, Wade Kaminsky and a friend were out fishing on Friday with bait fish they'd caught earlier in the spring when Kaminsky landed the river monster. Kaminsky said the fish chomped down on his bait, and he spent eight minutes before getting the enormous blue catfish into his boat. The two men didn't have a scale on their boat, so they called around for help. They eventually found a guide near the Gateway Arch Monument in St. Louis and raced over to weigh the fish. The catfish weighed in at 112 pounds, just 18 pounds shy of the record. That's not the record? After posing with his massive haul, Kaminsky told the Post-Dispatch he released the catfish downstream. So he released it. 112 pounds. Can you imagine that? 112-pound fish? How, how did he really... I mean, he said, he said it took him eight minutes. Eight minutes of trying to get the thing in. How do you not, how do you not snap the, 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 the fishing rod? 
It's got to be like a reinforced fishing rod of some kind. 112-pound catfish. I can't believe that that's not the state record. And that, in fact, it's 18 pounds shy of the state record. There's a big catfish there, huh? Wow. So, yeah, there it is. Muddy Waters, Mississippi River. Uh, I've never... uh, I've gone... I went fishing when I was a kid a lot. I haven't gone in a long time. So... Um, but yeah, there it is. It's nice that he released it. Tom, do you ever go fishing? Have you ever gone fishing? Um, yeah, I've gone, I've gone fishing. I'm not particularly good at it. Have you ever caught a 112 pound fish? (laughs) No, I, I have caught a catfish though. When I was in, when I was in Boy Scouts, who'd sometimes go fishing Mm -hmm. and, uh, those catfish get pretty big. They do. They get scary big. Yeah, they do. And they're ugly fish too. Yeah, they're not they're not, you know, they're a face that only a mother could love. Oh yeah. Uh they're not they're not particularly pretty. But we did uh manage to get a pretty big catfish, but we couldn't yank it out of the water. It was too big for a rod. So we're trying to reel this bad boy in and then uh one of the boy scouts said, "Nah, forget it." And jumped in after it. <laughs> what? And he, I mean, we were like maybe 14. So not small kids, but you know, still pubescent. And this kid jumped just in after it. Jumped in for this catfish. What were we gonna do? We were gonna throw it back. We're not yeah. gonna cook this catfish. We're not gonna fry up some catfish today. But jumps in after it, and he just wrestles that bad boy right out. Jeez, yeah. Do you guys have any supervision? Jumping in the water. <laughs> I mean the the scout leader was there, but he was like, "Hey, man, you got to become a man somehow." Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. You got to become a man somehow. Just jump in the water and grab that fish. Um, yeah, I've never, I mean, you know, I caught some pretty good sized fish, you know, when I was younger, but I mean, obviously nothing even remotely close to 112 pounds. Uh, and I, seriously, again, I can't believe that that's not the, not the state record. I mean, geez. So, uh, he did, he did, uh, release it downstream. So it's back in the water, the 112 pound, he should have named it. Don't you think you should have named it? Well, what do you have named? Well, what's a good name for a 112-pound fish? Biggie Smalls. <laughs> Junior. Yeah. <laughs> 112 pounds. I mean, seriously, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, I saw a picture of it, too. It's insane. The, I saw a picture of the guy holding the fish. But it's back out there in the river. So if you're looking for Biggie, he's out there. <laughs> it's been years since I've been fishing. We used to go my my dad and I my dad and I used to go pretty frequently when I was a little kid, when I was a kid. Get up at the crack of dawn. Yeah, which is something that I don't like to do. I'm usually <laughs> well, I'm up at the crack of dawn That's already. True. So um but yeah, I've never caught anything even remotely that big. But that's insane. 112 pounds. Can you believe that's not the record? What what was the record? It's 18 pounds shy of that. 18 pounds shy of the record. Yeah. Well, you know, there's some big fish out there. I tell you what. It's a good movie. It is. Beautiful movie, actually. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, anyway. Do you ever do you ever tell, I, lo- I love the idea of a big fish story, kind of like a tall tale that everybody's got a big fish story, you know, the one or the one that got away. Yeah. 
You ever get? You ever have a fish or something you were after? The one that got away? Oh, women. <laughs> <laughs> the story of my life, man. <laughs> a lot of big fish in the in the world hey, of Nick DiGilio. Absolutely, and they're all female. So, this one did not get away. This guy caught a 112 pound catfish. Sh- showed it off, took some pictures with it, and then let it go back into the back into the water. Well, I think that's good of him. Oh, I think it's great. That's good of him. It's great. I mean, he he would have had a, a full freezer though for a few months. Could have lived off a of fish for a yeah, while. Exactly. I mean, what, what are you having for dinner tonight, catfish? That's what I love about my friends who hunt. I've got some friends who live out, you know, more uh, rural places. They go hunting quite a bit. They like to do the hunt, and uh, they kind of make fun of a city, a city folk, a city mice, because he's just like, you got to go to Jewel every week for your meat. It's like I I go hunting. I did my hunting in my backyard eight months ago. Yeah, still got half a caribou or an elk. <laughs> Make it, and I'll tell you, venison and all that kind of stuff, deer steaks, everything like that, super delicious. Oh yeah, so good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Venison is delicious. I wish I were. And it's a lean. Enough. It's a lean meat too. Very lean. Yeah. Well, there it is. The guy. Set the catfish free instead of having 12 months worth of <laughs> catfish in his freezer. So, all right. Hey, Tom Appel is going to join us after the news. He is our car guy, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. And if you have any car or automotive related questions, it's 312 981 7200. Hello, Nick DiGilio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock. Uh, it is a Tuesday, right? <laughs> it's a Tuesday. I get confused every once in a while. Jim Ryan is going to join us after one. He's a music and entertainment writer for Forbes and Daily Herald in Chicago now. Always a great time when he uh, when he joins us. Um, every weekday morning at 2.30, we play back some classic Johnny Carson. The Johnny Carson show can be seen on Antenna TV every night, and it's definitely worth watching because it's so great. And we always play back some comedy stuff from uh, from the Johnny Carson show. So, uh, and uh, you know, sometimes it's stand-up, sometimes it's sketches, well... This morning, it's going to be Karnak the Magnificent, which is always my favorite. Well, there are now drive through haunted houses open in uh, Japan, and I still don't understand any of it. Uh, we're going to get into driving pet peeves as well. And speaking of driving, you see how I segued there, Tom? You see that? That's why I've got a plaque outside the Trib building in the ground because of my segueing ability. <laughs> joining us every month uh the publisher of consumer guide automotive the host of the car stuff podcast it's our good friend tom appel and you can follow him on twitter at car underscore guy underscore tom and we always like to talk about uh 
car stories and answer any of your uh, car or automotive related questions. If you're looking to buy or lease a car, you need some help with some car uh, issues. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. And let's say hello to Tom. Hi, Tom. Hello, and, and happy belated birthday. Oh, thank you very much. It wasn't, you know, you're only nine minutes late, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> then I don't feel so bad. That's right. I appreciate it. Thank you, Tom. Uh, Tom Appel joins us every month. If you have uh, any automotive or car-related questions or you need some advice, 312-981-7200. That's the Team Hockberg phone line, 312-981-7200. Uh, Tom, tell us about Consumer Guide Automotive and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. We are ConsumerGuide.com. We've been around since 1967 uh, doing new and used car reviews. Um, all of our reviews live at ConsumerGuide.com. Plus, our blog is a lot of fun. You can get there from ConsumerGuide.com. And you can listen to our podcast, the Consumer Guide Car Stuff podcast, uh, streaming at ConsumerGuide.com or at any podcast site you like to go to. There you go. Tell us about the, the Car Stuff podcast because it's relatively new. It is relatively new. Yeah, we just we just did our 36th episode. We really enjoy doing it. It's fun. It's a little bit easier than having to write everything down. It's a little yeah. bit more conversational. Yeah. So uh, mostly it's me and, and Damon Bell, our, our senior editor. We cover the news. We have great guests. This week we're going to talk to someone from IC Cars about what is actually selling despite the fact that we're in a pandemic. So stuff like that, fun stuff, uh, topical stuff. Uh, and then there's, there's always a quiz that's ridiculous at the end of each podcast. <laughs> Ridiculous in what way? Um, it's stupid hard, and I give it oh. to, to Damon Bell. And if she's with us that week, Jill Simonillo, another journalist in the Chicago area, they hate the quiz. So, that's, <laughs> so it entertains me. Well, there you go. There you go. That's all that counts. That's, that's, that's all that counts, Tom. You're, exactly. That's all that counts. As long as you're being you're being entertained by it, it's great. Exactly. So, uh, I always have to. I always ask you this: What have you been driving lately? Oh, great week to ask me that. I am driving the 2020 Chevrolet Bolt EV. This is, this is Chevy's little electric car. Uh, got a little bit more range this year. It was up from 239. I think it's up to 258 or something like that. But what a sprightly little fun thing to drive. It's about the size of a Volkswagen Golf. Um, and, and the great thing about electric cars, and this is true of all electric cars, is that the power just comes on immediately. Uh, the torque is just there right away. So it just feels faster than it is. Mm. And it's very quiet, and, I'm, and it's very roomy. I'm a big guy, and I fit just fine. Wow. Well, that's always that's always good to know if you can if, yeah. you know, a smaller car that can actually be comfortable for a bigger person. Yeah, this is a good city car. It's a very tidy package, very short wheelbase, uh, short overhangs. It, it would it would suit a city person who doesn't need to go to Wisconsin every day very well. Okay. And uh, how often does it need to be charged? Uh, it depends on what you're doing, but I'm I'm going to not charge it this week. It's got 258 miles of claimed range. Um, and then it's funny, Chevy gives you a little be above and below that. So it could be my charge this week. It's very hot out. That's bad for the battery. Mm. So it is high as 305 and as low as 211. So we'll see. I'm going to drive it hard to see how low I can get it. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, does that that, that kind of variation, because that's a pretty big variation. Th- those numbers are pretty big. Huge. It's a huge difference. And, yeah, temperature has a huge impact on that. Oh, I see. And it's going to be hot all week, too. Yeah, heat is almost as bad as cold. Uh, for battery condition uh you know what i didn't even think of that i uh, uh i don't know why I, I you know it makes sense but most people think that the cold weather is all is is you know is worse than than uh, hot weather for your battery 
It is. Also, you're more inclined to use air conditioning, I think, than heat. So if you're really trying to get range out of your car, you might turn down the heat. But air conditioning is really tough on a battery, too. That is very, uh, very energy inefficient to, to, to be blowing a car down to 60 degrees in the cabin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that makes sense. And, and does that have anything? You know, so it, it's just the energy of the uh, uh, the, uh, the battery if you're using, um, if you're cranking up the air conditioning. Does that have anything to do with gas usage either? It does, yeah. And your typical car, the air conditioner sucks about five or ten horsepower from what you're doing, so you'll, you'll feel maybe a little bit of a power lapse. But it, yeah, it does hurt your mileage. It does. Okay. All right. I always thought that that was maybe maybe not uh, entirely true, but I guess it is. It's not as bad as it used to be. Oh, it used to be worse. Yeah, it used to be a lot worse. Okay. All right. Uh, what else is, are people driving around in the office? Uh, we just got the. the <laughs> I love this because the name of the car is 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 about the the wheels. Uh, we just drove the Subaru Outback Onyx XT, Uh-oh. and the Onyx <laughs> is for black or black wheels. It's a very strange package name, but it looks cool. I'm not sure I would I would name a vehicle just for the wheel color, but this is the Subaru Outback, very popular uh, with a lot of people, super loyal uh, Subaru fans. But uh, mid-sized station wagon, fun to drive, nice-looking wheels, uh, typical Subaru expectations. I really dislike the stop-start feature on this car, though. What's it, Why is that? This is, for people who don't know, a lot of cars now are equipped with a feature that will turn off your car at a stoplight to conserve gas, and a lot of these work very well. For some reason in this car, the car lurches forward when the car restarts, and it's it's kind of unsettling. Ooh. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. And people can read all about this at ConsumerGuide.com, correct? They can, yeah. All right, Tom, hold on. Will do. Tom Appel is with us, our good friend Tom Appel. Uh, he is the uh, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. He hosts the Car Stuff podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at under, uh, at car underscore guy underscore Tom. Uh, and uh, if you have any uh, uh, automotive uh, questions or concerns or you need some advice in the world of cars, 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. We will return. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We are live in the uh, Skyline studio here uh, until 4 o'clock. And uh, we are going to talk about uh, the states with the worst drivers and uh, some of your driving pet peeves. And uh, I figured I could uh, mention this to Tom. Tom, do you have any – I mean, I'm, I'm sure you do because you drive. Do you have any driving <laughs> pet – Tom Appel is with us from uh, Consumer Guide Automotive. Any pet peeves that stick out? I have I have a new one. Okay, um, and it, it's really killing me, I, and, I, and it's a part of my daily commute. It's people who come to a stop in the street before they turn into a parking lot or driveway. Oh, okay. So they're doing way too much slowing when they should be going forward or getting out of my way. Uh, okay, all right. Yeah, I mean everybody has driving pet peeves. Everybody yes. does. I mean it's just uh, it's it's crazy. Uh, we have a bunch of people who have called in, Tom. We're going to get to some of the stories that we want to get to okay, uh, as well. But we do have some people who uh, who have questions or uh, comments. Here's uh, Big Ed. Go ahead, Ed. Hey, Nick. Yeah. Hi, Tom. Hey. Tom, I got a question for you. 
What is the, um, you know, about batteries, electric cars? How are the batteries doing? How are the batteries doing? Is there any, like, progress? Well, the progress has been slow and sort of unremarkable because we haven't been hearing that much about it. But I can tell you this, the battery pack that was in the original 2011 Chevrolet Volt was a 14-kilowatt-hour battery. And at the time, that battery was rumored to cost about $1,000 per kilowatt hour. Sometime last year, Mary Barra, she's the CEO of General Motors, was talking about how GM was pretty close to getting their cost for a battery down to $100 per kilowatt hour. So that is that is 900 bucks per kilowatt hour that has been that has been erased through progress and and just practice and continually building these things. So the price has come down a lot. The capacity has maybe doubled in the last 10 15 years and what I mean is how much energy they can pack into a certain weight vehicle, a certain weight package. So there is progress, it's slow and it's going to slow down from here. There isn't some some breakthrough technology on the horizon that anyone's talking about. Okay. All right, Ed, thanks for the call. 3 312- 2-981-7200. Here's Rich on WGN. Go ahead, Rich. Hey, Nick. How are you? All right. Go ahead. I got a question for Tom. Hey, yeah. Tom. What about the electric Mustang? Is it going to have a throaty sound? <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great question. I don't know how many people know about this, but there's the Mustang Mach-E. That is a mid-sized small yeah, crossover right. that's coming out soon, and that's going to be pure electric. And there's some controversy about the fact that the Mustang name is being applied to that. And then a Mustang that is actually a regular Ford Mustang with Tudor Coupe uh, that is all electric is rumored to be on the horizon. So no word on that. But, yeah, noise is such a big part of the muscle car or, or pony car experience, and electric cars don't make noise so you're asking a great question and i do not know the answer ah all right rich thanks thanks nick 312-981-7200 is the uh, phone number that's actually a pretty good question because you you want you you know if you're going to drive a mustang you want it to sound like a mustang you need something you need something because if most people don't look at a tachometer anymore and most cars are automatic but you usually get a sense of when a shift is coming by the the noise the engine makes and and that's going to be gone as will shift by the way so the experience will be very different that's weird (laughs) it is weird that's just going to be weird (laughs) wow all right uh 312-981-7200 is the number here's terry on wgn hi terry Hey, Nick. Hey, Tom. How are you? All right. Hey, real quick question. I'm currently driving a 1997 uh, Toyota Camry, and I've only owned it for about five years. I inherited it from my mother when she passed away. And in, in the five years I've owned it, I've spent about $2,000 um, on some engine work about three years ago. I don't recall specifically what the engine work was, but I do have the receipts. Recently, I've also had some oil leaks, and I took it into my mechanic, who is a very honest and reliable guy, and he said he thought it might be $2,000. So... The only reason I'm asking this question is it only has 106,000 miles on it, and it is a Toyota Camry. Is it worth bothering to fix, considering, again, it's a Toyota Camry with 106,000 miles on it? And if not, I'm looking to probably spend no more than $4,000 on another used car. Would you have any recommendations if, in fact, I needed to purchase another one? Wow, that's a great question. Camrys are generally more reliable than that, and they're usually quarter of a million mile kind of cars. So you've had some very bad luck very early on. And as for advising you, I don't think I can do that at this point. In most cases, I would say a Camry with a hundred thousand miles on it is a sure thing. 
just go ahead and get it fixed and hold on to it. And that may be the case the, the case in, in your situation, but I'm, I'm worried about oil leaks so early, as if the car may have been abused or there's something wrong with it or you have a lemon. Well, I, I believe it's probably a lemon. My, my, my parents purchased it, and they were, they were very prudent. The only things they've ever owned were Toyota Camrys, and they bought it in 1997, brand new. And when 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 I got it, it had, I think, 85,000 miles on it. I mean, my mother hardly ever drove it. And my father was meticulous about caring for our, our cars. So I doubt very much it was abused. So it's very possible it was a lemon. So, again, the only reason I'm even asking the question, given what I've just told you about the history of the repairs at the time I've owned it, is because, like you just said, it's a Toyota Camry. And those things are good for at least uh, a couple hundred thousand, maybe more. Yeah, usually. Um, fix it, and hope for the best. Yeah, I don't know. Given your luck, I might back away from this. That's not advice. That's just my gut feeling, uh, but hard to say. Yeah. yeah okay, I, good, I, good I luck, Terry. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Okay, take care. Well, what is it about uh, uh, the Toyota Camry that makes it so uh, re- uh, such a long-lasting, reliable car? Well, a couple of things. One, Toyota just has been really has a great track record of building reliable cars that last a long time. But they also build an awful lot of them. You know, the 400,000 units a year, they get good at building those things. And things change very slowly on Toyota products. There's, there's not a lot of all-new vehicles. And the drivetrain parts have been around for a while, and they're trustworthy. And, and yeah, there's, it's, just, it's just a lot of, of well-made combined with, with things that are change slowly, uh, I think, that make make the, the Camry work so well. And it's true, the Corolla as well. Yeah. I, you know, but the, I, you know it's, it's ta- we talk about Toyota a lot on the show. We do. Yeah, and, uh, and how much people really love that brand and are loyal to it. What are some of the most loyal uh, uh, drivers to, to certain car, to certain ki- kinds of cars, brands of cars? Uh, Subaru has a fantastically loyal following, mm-hmm. um, especially certain cars. There's a lot of Forester owners that have had Foresters forever. Um, Volvo has some. You find some at Volkswagen, too. Both of those are kind of falling apart because they're not the same companies they used to be. But I think there's still plenty of Volkswagen loyalists out there, too. And then you have your big truck loyalists, your Chevy, your Ram, and your Ford guys. And those guys stick with brands forever. Yeah. Well, well it's, it's, so Subaru has a big fan base, then. They have a huge fan base, yeah, very loyal buyers. I think they may have the highest return buyer uh, percentage. Wow, okay. Well, there we go. Hey, uh, let's talk a little bit about the, you did a first look. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the 2021 Ford F-150. Now, we've heard about the Ford F-150 for uh, a while, uh, but you're doing a little preview of the new one. Yeah, that's big news. Uh, Ford just gave us a little look at the vehicle, and I'm going to say very little because we heard very little about anything technical, but we learned some stuff, and Ford is paying a lot of attention to the next generation of the F-150 when it comes to the cabin. So there's all sorts of cool stuff inside. So the, the touchscreen monitor got bigger because now we talk about how big the touchscreen is, not horsepower. Um, <laughs> the interior got a lot nicer. Um, there's all sorts of upgraded electronic equipment, and this is big. The front seats fold completely flat, which is a big deal. Really? I think, that's, I think that's a first in a big pickup. And then a really cool feature, and I forgot what Ford named it, but the shifter on the center console now, when you're parked, will fold flat into the console so that you can open a laptop in that space. Wow, that's pretty nuts. Yeah, I don't know who thought of that. It is such a simple thing, and I think it's, it, they're going to be rewarded with 
with all sorts of happy customers for that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, now, so when when do when do the uh, the the 2021 uh, uh, cars when do we get to see them? Usually we see them around September, and I think in the case of the F-150, that's going to be the case. They're going to be teasing that a little bit more, um, but it's a really big launch. Everything's been slowed down by the virus. Right. And we, I, I should probably have driven one by now, but that's, I think it's going to be months away still. So a few months away, and you'll be, are you looking forward to that? I really am, yeah. That's such a, that market is huge. It's 2.5 million units a year, and Jeez. it's just a few vehicles that matter. So the Ram Chevy Ford battle is just always delightful to watch. And Ram overtook Chevy last year, which was huge news in the truck industry mm. in terms of sales. So, yeah, the F-150 is still in first place, but uh, Ram is catching it. Yeah. And, uh, and 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 uh, but nothing, not a, a couple of uh, adjustments, but nothing, ma- not a major change in the design of the F one fifty, right? No, nothing major. Um, they, they are going to be ringing out a full hybrid model, so we'll see that later. Okay, all right. And how, how does that work with a car like that, with a with a truck like that? That's a good question because hybrids have, have long been considered to be delicate's the wrong word, right. but maybe right, not right. in a position to, to to do this kind of burly work, but. Right. They're they're claiming the best uh, the best towing capacity and payload for the hybrid model, so presumably it's it's as rough and tough as anything else. Wow, jeez, that's crazy. It is. Jeez. Okay, so you can take a look at that. The first look, and you can get that on the blog at consumerguide.com. dot com. A first look at the uh, two thousand twenty one uh, Ford F one fifty. Okay, Tom, hold on. Okay. Will do. All right. Tom Appel is here. If you have any car-related or automotive-related questions or concerns, he's here to help. We've got more car car, uh, stories to talk about. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. And we will return right here on 720 WGN. Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We are live in the Skyline studio. We're here until 4 o'clock. Coming up after uh, 1 o'clock, our good friend Jim Ryan is going to be with us. He's a music and entertainment writer at Forbes, Daily Herald, and Chicago Now. Lots of fun stuff to talk to him about, and we'll play a round of uh, Rock of Ages, which is a music trivia game that we always play when uh, Jim is on with us. Right now, it's our good friend Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. He's the host of the Car Stuff podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at car underscore guy underscore Tom. Uh, lots more car stuff to talk about. And if you have a, a, a question uh, about cars or you need some advice, 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. Hello, Tom. Hello. All right. Hey, let's talk about the quick spin that you did for the uh, 2020 GMC Sierra 2500 AT4. Yeah, this is one of those vehicles we were just talking about in terms of loyalty. Uh, the 2500 is probably uh, not very common in the city, right? In, in Chicago, most people drive half-ton pickups or 1500 series or 150s, but the three-quarter tons are the ones that can do the things like tow huge trailers. And, and in rural Illinois or as you get into Wisconsin, they're more common. This is GMC's version of that, and they've got a new off-road brand that's AT4. 
So we saw this vehicle with the AT4 trim package, which looks kind of cool and butch, and it's got the Duramax diesel engine, mm. which is insanely expensive. So this is this is a very, very well-loaded vehicle. And if I recall correctly, uh, this came to about $86,000. Oh, man. Whoa, that's quite a price tag. Yes. Okay, I do I have the right Yes, I'm sorry. This one was seventy six thousand. Oh, so, oh, okay. I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking of a Ram we had recently. Okay. But that's still just a just a ton of money. It is. And, and the funny thing about it is, it's it's not that the vehicle is expensive exactly. It's that you can just put a lot of stuff on a vehicle, and people do that. So this is actually not atypically equipped. You would find vehicles out there like this, um, but but yeah, pickup trucks easily get to be twice the cost of the average vehicle. Jeez. Well, I'm looking at the report card here. Um, and yeah. With the exception of fuel economy and value, uh, pretty great grades. Yeah, it's a really nice vehicle. It's nice inside. It rides well. Um, the big Duramax diesel, if people have heard that name, um, which is about a $10,000 option, um, has all the power on the planet. Uh, it's not. It's not more efficient than a gas engine directly but when it's towing it's much more efficient mm. and that's why people go with those and uh and you're a big guy and the, and, you, and you you guys gave it an A yeah the Chevys and the Fords are the best for the big guys they got they got all sorts of room behind the steering wheel and and a good useful grab handle <laughs> right on the A-pillar so you can get up there easy enough yeah okay well there you go so that's the quick spin for uh for that and you can check the the whole article out at uh, uh the blog at consumerguide.com 312-981-7200 for uh any kind of uh question car related that you have and if you want to get in here all right how about this one the uh forgotten concept the, the lincoln sentinel yeah tell us about that yeah, this is this is great because it, it, it's just this sort of last look at when uh, a luxury automaker was still thinking about what exactly uh, a sedan of the future might look like because they were still talking about sedans. So the Sentinel was a concept car. It was first seen at the Detroit Auto Show about 20 years ago, and it's a great design study. And one of the things that they were trying to do, and I don't think they were succeeded at exactly, was to, to bring in traditional Lincoln elements without making it look retro. Mm. And I think it looks slightly hodgepodge. I think a lot of the stuff kind of looks glued on. But you've got the waterfall grill that Lincoln did go with, and you've got some some kind of canted rear-end treatment that looks like an old Zephyr from the 30s, which is silly. Um, and the whole thing's a little bit more shovel-nosed probably than a modern car should look like. But but ultimately, it, it it's not a bad-looking car. I don't know that it, it really set any standards for what future Lincolns were going to look like exactly. But it's just fun to look back at a car like this and remember when we weren't going to crossovers. (laughs) This was a future car that was still a car. (laughs) Right. I like the, uh, you you, you put down the sales pitch here from back in 1996 at the Detroit Auto Show. Um, It says, next generation flagship luxury, luxury sedan. Yeah. <laughs> no, no one sells luxury sedans anymore. No. So uh, the Lincoln Sentinel. How many of those were out on the road? Well, none. This was a concept car, so it was uh. just the one car. Uh, it was not a runner, and when a car isn't a runner, a manufacturer can say anything about it. So this one was powered by a V12, according to Lincoln. Wait a minute. They can say anything about it? Well, if it doesn't run, they can just this. This is what their plan would be for it if they were going to build it. <laughs> so you get a lot of whenever you get specs for a concept car, you just roll your eyes and write them down. Oh, I see. All right, I didn't know that. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> 
You can just say whatever you want about the crates. It can fly. Yeah. This is the flying Lincoln Sentinel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, <laughs> So, is the, the, how much? How, how many cars are usually debuting at auto shows? Uh, does does every major company try to try to debut a car at an auto show? Ten years ago, that was absolutely the case, and and now I think the auto show is in in serious decay. Uh, even before COVID, a lot of manufacturers and Ford especially started launching vehicles between auto shows, and I think their logic was interesting. One of the things that had happened is that if you're Ford and you're debuting something like a Mustang or an Explorer, you've got really, really big news there. Do you really want to share that with everyone else at an auto show and become part of just somebody's auto show coverage, or do you want to do something exclusive between shows and grab all the attention? And I think that major automakers started doing that, and what you started seeing were smaller debuts at auto shows for manufacturers or for products that weren't quite as important because they'd get they'd be part of some broader coverage of the auto show. And then and then this happened, COVID happened, and there aren't auto shows, so there's a lot of stuff like that F-150 we just talked about that are just being launched whenever a manufacturer can do it, and it's happening online. Oh, I see. I see. Are there going to be virtual auto shows? Almost certainly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work, but like the Geneva Auto Show is just canceled. I don't know what's going to happen later this year with L.A., but it sounds like they're just waiting for the right thing to happen insurance-wise to cancel that. Mm -hmm. So the next question is what happens to next year's Chicago? Yeah, no, that's a good question. That's a good question. I mean, if you because, you know, a lot of the things that are being, you know, shut down or postponed or canceled, uh, they seem to be adjusting for, you know, doing it virtually. They are, and, and, and that's kind of a bummer in Chicago because people came to the auto show in Chicago. You know, it wasn't just about a news venue. It was actually a place for people to come and see virtually every car that was available. Yeah. So it, 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 for the local auto dealers, that's a, that's a huge disappointment. Yeah, that's too bad. Well, everything's taking a hit, Tom. It's yep. just, uh, this is just such a bad time right here. Um, all right, how about the uh, 2020 Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid Limited? Yeah, I don't know how many people realize this, but at the moment, and not for much longer, the Chrysler Pacifica is the only minivan with a plug-in hybrid variant. Um, So you can plug that bad boy in and get about 40 miles of range, which covers most people's around town runs during the week so you can go gasless during the week and i always sort of imagine that like if if you're a mom who's busy and working and then coming home and driving people to soccer that it would get really annoying for your kids to constantly remind you to plug in because it was good for the planet but i I suspect that's exactly what happens with those uh but our experience with those have been very good we we usually uh they charge just fine that there's all sorts of good power um the thing that happens with the chrysler that people should know about is because they have to put the battery someplace, you lose what they call their stow-and-go seats, which are the seats that fold completely into the floor. Oh, I see. Yeah, but they got to have the battery in there, though. Yeah, yep, you got, it's a big battery, so it's got to go someplace. Uh, and, boy, I'm looking at the report card. Great grades for this one. Yeah, we are big fans of the Pacifica. If you load it upright, it's really a luxury vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can do whatever you want to with that. And the, now the hybrids only come in the higher trim levels because the, that equipment's pretty expensive and they have to bury the price someplace. Yeah. The base price is 45000 about forty, almost forty six. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so uh, there you go. Got, I mean, read the, the report card on this one is great. The, the 2020 Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid Limited. 
Yeah, that's a fine minivan. And then the Toyota Sienna will be all new later this year, and there will be a hybrid version of that, but it won't be plug-in. So you can look at both of those. Okay. Uh, how Are the hybrid cars popular now? Hybrids are becoming popular largely because they're becoming so conventional. Um, you know, we used to think of the Prius, the Toyota Prius, which was a dedicated hybrid. Yeah. That's the only hybrid. But now there's a Camry hybrid and a RAV4 hybrid and a Corolla hybrid, for example, at Toyota. So there's hybrids everywhere. And, and they're, they're increasingly accounting for more of the percentage of total sales. I think Toyota's hybrid penetration now might be 20%. So, yeah, they're becoming much more common. Wow, 20%. Yeah, I think it's that high now at Toyota. Wow. That is huge. It is, yeah. And it's just going to get higher when the Toyota Sienna comes out. Um, that one's going to be hybrid only later this year. So it's going to bump that number even higher. Jeez. Okay. Interesting. Uh, here's Linda on WGN. Go ahead, Linda. Yes. Good morning. Um, I am a, I'm a senior, and I drive a Buick Encore, and I love it. It's a perfect size SUV, um, and I've had several of them. And now I realize they've come out with a Buick Encore GX. I just thought it was a super, I mean, I thought it was an, an elite model of the Encore, only to find out that it is a new version, a bigger version of the Encore, and I'm just wondering if you know anything about it or have had a chance to review it. Um, I, I don't think they're doing it any justice by not calling it something different because people might just think it's a souped-up model of the existing Encore. So I will let you answer. Linda, that's a great question. The Encore GX is all new for 2020. Or, no, I'm sorry, for 2021. And it is not a version of the Encore. It's actually a different vehicle that's slightly larger. And the reason that I think Buick is doing that is that the Encore that, that you own is the best-selling vehicle in their lineup right now. And I think they want to capitalize on that popularity. So this one's a little bit bigger, a little bit longer, and a little bit more powerful and a little bit more expensive. Uh, I did just drive the vehicle. I liked it just fine. I don't love it. Um, but if, if you like it for, for things like, like hit point or for cargo space or for passenger space, you might like this a little, little bit more. You've got a lot more rear seat space and a little bit more cargo space and a little bit more power. Um, and I think a lot of Buick owners are going to be really happy with this. Okay. You know what? It's exactly what I'm looking for. The Encore is a little small when you're, you know, maybe trying to put people in the back seat so i i was looking for something the next step up and i'm not real thrilled with oh what's their is it the envision that's their next step up um whatever it is i i don't really want that but um i'm i'm glad to hear it's you know it might be something that i'm looking for i, I still think i understand why they named it the way they did but it's not doing the vehicle any justice <laughs> because people are just people are just thinking it's a, a souped up encore so, I, I um, think you're right. I think you're right. Okay, yeah. Linda, thanks. Thank you very much. Right. I appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Tom Appel is with us. He joins us uh, every month. He's the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, host of the Car Stuff podcast. Follow him on Twitter at car underscore guy underscore Tom. If you have any car or automotive-related question or concern, uh, 312-981-7200. Phone lines are open now, 312-981-7200. Tom, hang on. Will do. All right. Tom Appel is with us. We'll continue the conversation right here on 720 WGN. Another morning. 
right. Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. And uh, we're live in the Skyline studio. We're here until 4 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, we head over to the Bradley Place, the TV side of WGN. Get some great news from them. And then uh, Bob Surratt has your morning drive at 5. 312-981-7200. That's our phone number if you want to get in here and have a conversation. Uh, phone lines are open. Tom Appel is my guest. He's the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. And any and all car-related questions are welcome. And the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom here on WGN. Uh, hello, Tom. Hello. All right. We uh, have another call. If anybody wants to get in, it's 312-981-7200. Here's Sean. Go ahead, Sean. Yeah, hi, Nick. Love your show. Thank you. Hey, hey Tom. Uh, you know, I've always been a Chevy guy. I love Chevys. But I'm kind of swinging away towards Chevys because their warranties they used to have 100,000 powertrain warranties, and now I think the last time I went and checked on the new models for, I checked 19, I checked, and it was, they only had 50,000-mile warranties. So what would your be suggestion of, of a new vehicle uh, for warranty issue, for warranty period? Well, if you're looking for a strong warranty, um, Hyundai and Kia still have the, the lengthy powertrain warranties. They still have the 100,000-mile warranty for, first time, or for, the, for the first buyer. For the first owner, so you could still look there, and the reliability of those have proven to be of uh, all Hyundai and Kia vehicles have proven to be pretty high. So that could be a safe way to go for you. Okay, and uh, why did why did Chevy why did they take the warranty out of there? The hundred thousand powertrain warranty was a big. Big grabber for me. You know? A lot of a lot of manufacturers, a lot of brands will advertise a warranty for a little period of time, and then slowly back away from it. Warranty coverage can be very expensive, and powertrains are expensive to replace uh, after eighty, ninety thousand miles. And and the problem with any any drivetrain is that no matter how good it's built, if someone's abusing a car, it's going to start to fall apart <laughs> at some point. Right. And it's hard to right. prove abuse, so you just end up with a very expensive coverage. Ah. Uh-huh. Okay. Thank you. Thank okay. you, man. All Have right, Sean, one. take care. Geez, that's interesting that uh, with, the, with the warranty. Yeah, if you can basically prove that you've been changing the oil and doing the maintenance, a manufacturer is usually obliged to repair your vehicle. Oh, yeah. that's Well, as long as you're taking care of the car, and they, 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 uh, they'll, they'll help you. Yeah, they can't prove abuse. There was a funny story years ago about uh, the Mitsubishi um, Evo, which was the sporty version of the Lancer, and Mitsubishi was becoming aware that people were racing these cars, which is more or less what they were for. They were great on the track, but then once they became aware of seeing people standard standings online, they wouldn't cover the engines when they blew. Oh, <laughs> oh man! Yeah, it was ugly. <laughs> Wow. Um, hey, let's talk about the, you mentioned it, um, you know, we got the Car Stuff podcast, episode 35 is available. You, uh, you, you did the J, J.D. Power initial quality rankings. Yeah. How'd that work out? Yeah, J.D. Power just came out with its IQS, so that's initial quality study, and that is a 90-day study, and it's fascinating because they use the word quality, but generally what people complain about in the first 90 days are not quality issues, they're use issues, and, and, and what's happened with infotainment systems getting so complicated is that people come back to the dealership with complaints about the infotainment system, and whether or not it works, they may have found it difficult to make it work, and those count as complaints, so a lot of good brands or brands that were traditionally high in that list have slipped. But one of the big pieces of news this year was that Dodge, which has been kind of slumping in quality ratings lately, um, tied Kia for first place on this list. And, and, and 
there's a lot of, I mean, that's good for Dodge. That's great, and I think it's a very good sign. But one of the things that's happening at Dodge, too, is they haven't updated their lineup very much, which means there's a lot of people getting into vehicles new that they've seen before, so there's a little bit less confusion. Oh, I see. I see. Uh, yeah, so the, so the rankings, how often do they do this, once a year? J.D. Power does this once a year, and they do another study that um, that tracks the number of problems that people have with a three-year-old car for one year, and that comes out once a year as well. Okay. Why do they pick three years? I think because the warranty has run out, and I think it's a, when problems might start to kick in. Oh, I see. So, it's yeah, I think it's a pretty telling period of time, and I think they spent some time deciding um, how to do it that way. But, yeah, it's a good report to watch for. Okay. All right. You know, we're going to be talking about drive throughs a little bit later in the show. Yeah. Uh, but uh, a, 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 some, a, couple of, a few years ago, uh, you, posted a, uh, you guys posted a blog piece that says, Just go, the 10 essential rules of drive through etiquette. Yes. Let's, uh, let's talk about that. Yeah, and for people who don't know, I hit McDonald's two or three times a day for a large iced tea. So I'm, I'm very sensitive to things that just sort of s- slow me down. <laughs> yeah. This, this is entirely a personal rant. <laughs> All right, what makes you crazy? So the first one is, is, is uh, people who don't pay attention. So they get up there, they get up to the front, and, and then they order, and then they don't move, or they move up to the first time to start playing with their phone. And you really don't want to start your day honking at the guy in front of you in line. But yeah. Yeah, that, that's bad. And then when people pull up, this is a pay attention issue as well, they'll leave the cashier's window and only pull up far enough so that they don't have to look at the person there, but not far enough for you to pay. Oh, I see. <laughs> uh, I see. Okay, so, and then know what you want is another one. Yeah, I don't understand conversations. I don't know that there's anyone left in America who hasn't driven through McDonald's at least once. So I, I'm yeah. always confused. And I can't always hear the people in front of me, but I'm baffled by the hand gestures and the talking and the putting the car into park. Like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. You, you have been here before. You know what you want. Why are you asking questions? Right. It's McDonald's. <laughs> yes. I mean, you should be, you know, when you go to McDonald's, you should probably know the menu pretty well and know what you want. I would think. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How about no special orders? Yeah, that's a weird one, too. I, I once heard a woman um, order an egg McMuffin that she wanted with just egg whites. Uh, with, what was it? It was, it was a very complicated order, and it was like, make that at home. Whatever that was, <laughs> it's not an Egg McMuffin anymore. I don't even know how they're going to price what you just asked for. <laughs> oh, man. And then no bulk orders. Yeah, the worst thing that can happen to you in line is to watch the person in front of you pull out a piece of note paper. Oh. It's just horrible, and then they take the, that. That even gets worse when they finally get their stuff, and they're taking in the trays of drinks, so those little four tray, four drink trays that they have to put places in their car. It's it's very complicated. Okay, how about um, uh, order one at order at one time? <laughs> yes, yes. I, this is a minivan thing. I, I when when mom and dad think it's cute to let their kids screen the order in, and that's not good. That's <laughs> Just have one order. Don't let everyone order independently. And it's yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. It's making me late for work. Okay. How about uh, your kids get one shot? Yeah, I don't know why the fry, why the fries or apple crisp thing is such a confusing thing, but 
you always see that happen when you're in front, behind a minivan. You see the parents both turn back to talk to the kid, and the kid's thinking. It's like order for the kid then. Yeah. If the kid's not ready, order for the kid. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Be ready to pay. I'm, 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 here's the thing, too, and this is a COVID update. I don't know why people are still paying with cash, but additionally, people who pay with cash seem desperate to pay with exact change, and they don't have it till they get to the order window. Oh, man. All right. How about uh, no chatting up the help? I'm sorry. I keep seeing this. I keep seeing guys talking to young women at the window, and it's just the saddest thing. (laughs) I don't know how much better it makes their day, but you're ruining everyone else's day, and you're probably creeping out the woman at the window. Uh, And then don't change your order? Yeah. Once you're done, you're done. Okay. Yeah, that whole thing where the bag goes back into the window, unacceptable. 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 And then uh, you got your stuff, now just go. This this is a thing that you see, everyone sees a jewel, too. If you are over 85, you stop where you're at and start looking at your receipt. People do that in their car. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> People do that in their yeah, car. yeah, yeah. They just don't pull away. They want to make sure their order is perfect and that they paid the right thing, and yeah, it's not good. Okay. All right. Uh, here's uh, Jamie on WGN. Hey, Jamie. Jamie. Yeah, Scott. Um, I'd like to know... When Tesla's gonna uh, gonna turn a profit? <laughs> Everyone on Wall Street wants to know that. Here's, <laughs> here's the great and fantastic thing about Tesla: everyone has been wrong about Tesla always, including me. I, I was sure they were done last year. I was sure they were done a month ago, and they keep surviving. And part of the reason is what money they have, they keep bearing into new product, and they keep borrowing to supplement that. But somehow, some way, they keep coming out with new product, and the new product is always compelling, if not exactly trouble free, and. As for our profit, I don't know. COVID is certainly hurting them right now, and things slow down in China, which is hurting them because they just opened a factory there. But more interesting as to whether or not they can turn a profit is how much longer people are going to continue to to lend them money. Um, But as time goes by, they keep getting closer and closer and closer to turning a profit. So they've had a couple of quarters where they turned a profit before taxes and interest, and, and I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the answer to it. It might be 10 years, but the company seems quite durable. Oh, okay. All right, Jamie, thanks for the call. Uh, Tom, always a pleasure. And uh, we didn't get to this, but uh, you have a, a road trip uh, article, the best albums for a night drive. Yeah. Yeah, we should talk about that sometime, but I, I, I strongly recommend John Lee Hooker. Yeah, that's what you're th- – and so everybody on the staff picked a, picked an, a, an album to, for a night drive. Yep, they did, yeah. Okay. yeah. We'll get into that. You can read that. Uh, we'll, we can talk about this. Next time you're on, make sure we'll stop we'll, – we'll talk about this right at the top. Okay, sounds good. And then, uh, But people can read it if they want. They can just go to the website and uh, check it out, Road Trip Best Albums for a Night Drive. Yeah. Uh, Tom, always a pleasure, my friend, and we will talk to you next month. Pleasure was mine. Thanks okay. for having me. Okay, buddy, take care. Take Tom Appel, everybody, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, uh, host of the Car Stuff podcast. You can go to consumerguide.com for all that information, and you can follow him on Twitter at uh, car underscore guy underscore Tom.
Uh, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We are live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock. 312-981-7200 is the phone number if you would like to join us. Uh, we are going to be talking about uh, driving uh, the worst drivers, states with the worst drivers, uh, driving pet peeves, and uh, weird drive throughs There's a drive through haunted house in Japan. I'm still not sure how that works. So, also, we've got uh, Carson Comedy Classics. Uh, the Johnny Carson Show can be seen every night on Antenna TV, and I suggest everybody watch it because it's so great. And we always play a little comedy from uh, the Johnny Carson Show at uh, 2.30 every morning, and we'll get a visit from the one, the only, Karnak the Magnificent, which is my favorite thing that Johnny does. All right, 312-981-7200. That's our number. If you would like to join us, uh, I'd like to welcome to the show Jim Ryan, music and entertainment writer at Forbes, Daily Herald, Chicago Now. Follow him on Twitter at Radio Jim Ryan. We always love to talk to him about uh, some of the interviews he's been doing or the concerts that he's um, uh, been going to, things that he's writing about. And uh, let's say hello to Jim. Jim, how are you? I'm good, Nick. How are you? All right. All right. So uh, uh, still uh, uh, st- staying in and all that kind of stuff? <laughs> Staying in, you know, trying to trying to figure out on a daily basis what what day it even is. Yeah, yeah, keep keeping keeping my my mind busy that way. Are you, have, have you been uh, Have you been digging into watching any uh, any old movies or any binge watching? I started binge watching Treme again on HBO. Oh man, good I need show. some I need something else to binge watch. That was it was kind of amazing though throwing that on because I forgot you know there's there's it's it's just a weird one to binge watch today you know uh, yeah. There's there's airborne illnesses and they're they're wearing masks to get around it. I was like, what the heck? Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, uh, Tremaine's a great show though. It is wonderful. It yes, is, it is a terrific show. So that's a good thing to uh, binge watch. So I need something else to binge watch. Yeah, do you have any suggestions? Um, let me see. I uh, I don't know the Honeymooners. <laughs> there you go. That's a good one. That's one of my favorite shows. Is it streaming anywhere? Probably my favorite show of all time. I don't know if it's streaming. My 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 issue. I have all the DVDs, so that's how I can binge watch it. But I'm not sure if it's streaming anywhere um, online or anything on the Hulu. I just I just made a uh, eBay purchase. And I'm going to dive in here to tomorrow. A four DVD set. The uh, the Chuck Berry Hail Hail Rock and Roll oh, DVD. That was the. <laughs> Where Keith Richards gets punched in the face. Yeah, I you know that movie's so good. It's so good, and uh, the, I've never seen it all the way through. It's great. Um, not only is it a really great documentary, you know about Chuck Berry and how what a strange dude he was, uh, interesting and strange dude he was. But man, the concert footage is unbelievable in it. So yeah, I'm looking at the uh, the, the lineup of guests here, and I can't wait to dive into it. No, it's nuts. Clapton and Keith Richards, and yeah, it's it's crazy. And getting getting Johnny Johnson back in the fold is amazing. So yeah, uh, the the Clapton segment is probably the best in the in the uh, in the in the whole movie. Um, uh, you know, it's one of my favorite moments in it is that uh, you know Clapton takes you know he uh, he 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 plays a little bit of the lead. Okay. And, and it's so good that Chuck Berry goes, take another one, take another one. <laughs> and Eric Clapton's like shaking his head no, but then of course he does take another one. So, <laughs> what uh, what what precipitates the Keith getting punched in the face moment? Uh, I don't remember. I don't I remember, remember that either. it happened. I don't remember either. 
but uh, I can't I, wait to I dive into this. I don't think it's the I don't think it's the only time Keith Richards has been punched in the face. <laughs> only time by one of I, his heroes. I think it's I think it's happened a few times, quite frankly. But yeah, I think that's a reasonable assumption. <laughs> so, uh, Local H had a drive-in concert. Yeah. Uh, what drive-in? It was at the uh, Harvest Moon Drive-in in Gibson City, scenic Gibson City. It's beautiful okay. this time of year. Uh, about two hours south, the uh, off I fifty seven near Bloomington Normal. Okay, all right. They have a not, good crowd. Not far from Illinois State. They did, yeah. They capped. They sold out both. Uh, they sold out both nights, I believe, and they capped attendance at two hundred and sixty cars. It's so strange to talk about attendance numbers in terms of vehicles uh, yeah. allowed in, as opposed to you know people. But that's where we're at. Yeah. All right. So uh, how was it? So it felt, you know, I mean, the, the question. The question everyone posed to me when when I talk about this around social media was 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 it safe? Uh, and it felt safe to me. It's uh, the cars were the cars were socially distanced as you would imagine at a at a drive-in theater. Yeah, you know, probably probably about eight to ten feet apart. So what you had was socially distanced groups. Uh, there was more masks than I was expecting, so that was a pleasant surprise. But uh, they played for almost three hours. They did they wow. did thirty song set list each night. Yeah, so I mean it was it was quite a show. Uh, Thursday night, the first night I went, uh, they worked in a little bit of Neil Young's Harvest Moon in a nod toward the uh, the venue which we were at. So it was uh, it was pretty great. If you're if you're a local if you're a huge local H fan, those you know sixty songs in two nights, it's you know quite a quite a lengthy set list. So it was it was cool. Yeah, that was great. What did they charge? They were charging. I think uh, there were some VIP options, but I think it was like thirty dollars for a car. I think I don't know if I remember correctly. for a car. Per car load. So, yeah, so if you had, you know, four or five people in the car, you know, divide that number five ways. That's cheaper than what drive-ins are charging now for movies. What are they they getting for, like, Jaws and uh, Jurassic Park and that kind of stuff? 55 bucks a car. Holy cow, I didn't realize it was that much. Wow. Or I, I'm I'm you know, talking about you know like just one of the drive-ins in general, but I but I it's like a couple of the drive-ins are just the 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 prices that they're charging are just insane. Um, that's crazy. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I mean, I realized that like you can load a bunch of people into a car, and that you know you know movies do cost like to see nowadays it's fourteen fifteen bucks to see a movie. So, but still, I mean, just like the the idea of of fifty five bucks a car just seems crazy garth brooks did the drive-in thing and now keep in mind he wasn't actually performing at the drive-in you would go to a drive-in right and watch basically a garth brooks concert film just right. like you're watching any drive-in movie and he was charging a hundred bucks a carload for that oh my god i just thought that was insane that's hundred dollars to go watch a movie i'm like he's not there yeah <laughs> that's nuts well so good for good for local h for not going nuts with their charging then yeah, you you would have enjoyed this, Nick. It was so it's a twin screen drive-in. So the band was on a stage underneath one of the screens. On that screen above them, Scott Lucas had put together a a whole package of famous film highlights to kind of coincide with the set. So oh, that wow. ran on the that ran on the screen above them. Yeah, and then the uh, the screen opposite them. Uh, it was the actual shot of the band performing. Oh, that's so you cool. had both both screens were being used. It was. It was super unique, um, and it was loud as hell. Like I actually walked all the way to the back, so I was curious to how see the it. sound was. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, they had Scott, worked. Scott loves movies. Uh, Scott loves. Oh movies. yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, I know he's a huge movie buff, so yeah. it was it was cool. But 
we got there for sound check at two o'clock and kind of watched this whole thing play out. And they worked diligently for four hours to eliminate the echo off the other screen, the sound to eliminate the lag to, I mean, they worked incredibly wow. hard to put on this production. It was, wow. it was pretty impressive. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, they maybe, it it'll, maybe it'll part, maybe it'll start a trend for the summer. Yeah. That's uh Scott's pretty hopeful. It seemed uh, when I talked to him that, that there could be more of these. So, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah, we'll see. All right, Jim, hold on. We'll do. All right. Uh, Jim Ryan is with us, uh, a music and entertainment writer for Forbes, Daily Herald, and Chicago Now. Follow him on Twitter at Radio Jim Ryan. Uh, more uh, with our visit with uh, Jim coming up right here on WGN. Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline Studio downtown Chicago here until 4 o'clock, as we are every uh, weekday morning. Um, we are going to be talking about uh, states with the worst drivers, driving pet peeves, and uh, a drive through haunted house that opened in Japan. <laughs> opened in Japan. 312-981-7200. That's our number if you would like to join us. You can call the Team Hochberg phone line. Uh, Jim Ryan, music and entertainment writer for uh, Forbes, Daily Herald, Chicago Now. You can follow him on Twitter, at Radio Jim Ryan, is uh, with us. Hi, Jim. Hi, Nick. Hey, so the, uh, you know, all the, a ton of concerts, besides the the local H actually playing live, um, but, you know, socially distant and all that stuff at a drive-in. Uh, most concerts or anything like that now are happening happening virtually. Have you been watching any of this stuff? You know, I haven't. Uh, it's not really scratching the itch for me. Um, no, <laughs> I hate that answer, but no, I haven't been watching a ton of it. Okay, and uh, um, yeah. So, what, what, what about the speaking of uh, that the the hot stove cool music <laughs> yeah. concert, um, which uh, I used to go to at the Metro all the time. And of course, my Same. my 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 buddy from Buffalo, Tom Bill Janovitz, is one of the main guys um, yep. uh, who's participating in that. And this, Theo Epstein started this thing in Boston, right? Uh, it's kind of P- Peter Gammon started it in 2000, so oh, they're, okay. they're celebrating their 20th anniversary. Um, Theo, it merged the con- Peter's concert series merged with Theo's charity, the foundation to be named later in '04. Uh, and then they started. That started in Boston. Um, it started in Chicago uh, as a concert series. So now it takes place in both Boston and Chicago. Uh, it's taken place in Chicago since 2012. So right, um, and a pretty array, pretty impressive array of performers over the years. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, no. It's it's been it's been it's been so much fun to uh, to be a part of it. Um, you know, and uh, and uh, because I because I'm you know because I know Bill, I get to go backstage and stuff too, which is really kind of a, a lot of fun. Um, during that. this would have been uh this would have been quite 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 the one to be backstage at because it was i mean I, I would argue it might be their most impressive lineup here in 20 years well let's let's hear let's hear about it who was there and how was it and all that good stuff it uh so so as you kind of mentioned there it took place online for the first time uh usually this would take place at metro but um took place online featuring james taylor uh stephen tyler nick lowe uh, who else is performing? It was uh, 
Susan uh, Tedeschi and Derek Trucks from Tedeschi Trucks Band. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, not a surf. It was it was all over the place to line up, and a common was a was, was a performer. It was all over the place in a really good way. And uh, and it's and, and how long did it? How long did how long was it? Were they performing? They uh they went a couple hours, so it was they did a uh, usually uh, in the live event they've got the online uh or they've got the live charity auction that goes on during that and oh, right. this year that took place uh, online so that was that was a big part of it as well and it was a uh, kind of kind of hosted uh in boston by mike o'malley and then there was uh some chicago uh MCs as well who kind of introduced artists like rick nielsen who performed from cheap trick so it was you know it was good i, I think i read that they uh, raised three hundred thousand dollars this year so in a difficult environment in, in which to do that yeah. it sounds like they pulled it off oh that's great it's a good. It's a. It's it's always a good show. Have you? You know, you've been to a lot of uh, shows that that feature. You know, like festivals shows or, or shows that have multiple acts. Uh, what are some of the strongest ones that you've seen? Uh, as far as the festivals go, yeah, and like consistency. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like the the acts are all really really good, and there's not really a. You know, not really for a, me. For my money, every year that's kind of become Riot Fest. Now, I just think from from. Uh, from start to finish, all three days, it's a solid lineup every year. I mean, when we were talking about a couple of years ago, I went in, Liz Fair was on at like three in the afternoon. I mean, like two o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon as people are just starting to filter in. You know, those are those are slots usually occupied by artists you've never heard of. But at Riot Fest, it's such a deep lineup every year that, you know, you, it behooves you to get there at like noon, one o'clock when the door is open and, you know, stay from start to finish. Yeah. Tom, you had tickets for this year. And uh, obviously, it's been it's been canceled or post, uh, postponed postponed until post-pone next year. Till next year, are you hanging on to your tickets? Is that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I I was gonna go next year. I was planning on going probably the year after that, and the year after that. <laughs> you know, I so them postponing it a year is uh, a little. You know, it's it's a bummer. But uh, who were some of the highlights that were going to be there this year? Well, they only had one band announced. Oh, uh, they didn't announce the lineup. Yeah, they didn't even have the rest of the lineup announced. So I was there for I was in for My Chemical Romance, which was a band I listened to a lot when I was in uh, middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, God, you're young. I, <laughs> 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 well, you know, uh, but th- this uh, upcoming they they announced like the rest of the entire lineup. So I know Pixies are going to be there, which will be great. I hadn't I haven't seen them since I was about. Uh, sixteen, seventeen, mm-hmm. um, and that was the last tour that they actually did with Kim Deal because Kim Deal walked right, away after right. after they did the two yep. the Doolittle anniversary tour. Um, band called Run the Jewels is going to be there. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins is going to be there, which I've always wanted to see Smashing Pumpkins live. I've met Billy Corgan, um, but I've never gotten to actually see Smashing Pumpkins live, so that's going to be fun. That's amazing that you're from here and you've never seen Smashing Pumpkins live. Again, born in 1993. I understand, but still. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, Darcy, Darcy the was The first time I saw Smashing Pumpkins, Tom was one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, by the time that I would have become even marginally aware of Smashing Pumpkins, Darcy was gone. I'm pretty sure James Eha had walked away and every, pretty much everybody had walked away except for Billy. Yeah. Um, which at the end of the day, he is more or less smashing pumpkins in of himself. Um, yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not a big yeah. guy. I'm not a big smashing pumpkins guy. I have seen them, even though I'm not, yeah. <laughs> even though I'm not a, a big fan. Well, they were part of um, the f- the hot stove thing. Oh, really? 
Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because I was there because Bill was playing. And so, yeah, I, uh, I will say this um, because I was backstage. Uh, they're jerks. Yeah. That, no. <laughs> they're, I almost asked Tom how uh, how Billy was when he met oh, him. I'll say this. I I thought when it was him and his, his wife, who's actually uh, my age, if not a little bit younger, um, they came in to talk about her. She's got like v- vegan fur coats. So it's like fake fur. Right. Which is interesting because apparently she comes from a long line of like Russian fur traders. So she's got like a vested interest. Oh, jeez. Yeah, she she has a vested interest in the fur industry, and she's like, I want to make fake fur that feels like the real thing. So, um, but it's good we, to have a hobby. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but she, uh, her, and Billy were both pretty, really quite nice. I thought they, I thought they were really nice when mm-hmm. I asked, I, I asked if I could take a picture with Billy. He was where like, was yeah, this? This is here in this studio, in fact, here in oh. Studio D. Yeah. Whose so, show were they on? Um, it was for someone who was filling in. Um, oh. And so she was pre-recording an interview with Billy. Uh, oh, I see. Billy. Okay. And, um, yeah, he was. I was like, hey, Billy, you know, it's like no big deal if you don't want to take – if you don't want to, but, like, I would love to get a photo with you. He's like, yeah, sure, come over here. And he was, like, perfectly nice about it. Oh, all right. I've heard some stories, though. I'm, I'm sure, you know, when – at one point, Smashing Pumpkins, correct me if I'm wrong, were one of the biggest bands on the planet. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. 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 You know, them 95, 96, them yeah. and Oasis. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I can understand Billy Corgan having a little bit of, uh, you know, he was able to, he was able to buy a Ferrari in cash when he was 20 something. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, that gives you a certain level of what, ego. What, what's the album that came out after Siamese Dream? Melancholy. Melancholy with Melancholy the end to the sadness. Well, yeah, which right. is kind of their opus. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's for their, sure. Their peak, as it were. But I thought they were perfectly nice. I thought I thought Billy Corgan was perfectly nice. James Eha, the guitarist, is his alma mater is Loyola University. So there's that. Well, then you got along well with him. Yeah, <laughs> I so. hope to. Uh, have you ever met him, Jim? Uh, I haven't met him. I've, I've interviewed him twice on the phone, and, and both both times were great. Oh, okay. All right. But I uh, know haven't met him. Uh, you're a fan of, I'm assuming you're a fan of Smashing Pumpkins, then. I, I love the Smashing Pumpkins, yeah. They're one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Probably, probably the, geez, they might be the band I've seen more than any other. Them or Wilco. Wow. Smashing yeah, Pumpkins more than any other. Wow. 20, probably like 25, 30 times, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, quite a bit. That's almost as many times as I've seen Dave. <laughs> Dave. Yeah, Pumpkins and Wilco. That's, that's their... They're way up there. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of the Pumpkins. I love Wilco. Love Wilco. Um, went and uh, went and saw them uh, at Red Rocks. In fact, oh, that must have been great. With Marilyn Manson on the bill, an what? interesting bill. Man- <laughs> Manson and the Pumpkins. <laughs> Marilyn at Manson and the Pumpkins. Yeah, at Red Rocks. That's weird. That's just a weird lineup. Uh huh. I've never been to Red Rock. Yeah. I, I would so love to go to Red Rock. It is that it is that place where you've seen pictures, you know it's going to be amazing, and then you walk in there and see it, and are still just incredibly blown away. It's, yeah, it, every bit is amazing as it's cracked up to be. Yeah, I you know what I I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. So okay, uh, Jim, hold on. 
Okay. All right. Jim Ryan is with us, music and entertainment writer for Forbes Daily Herald, Chicago Now. If you have a, a music comment or a question or anything like that and you want to jump in on the conversation, 312-981-7200, 312-981-7200. More with Jim coming up right here on 720 WGN. I'm not like this. I'm really kind of shy. But I get this feeling whenever you walk by. I don't want to down you. Right. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Uh, we are uh, live in the Skyline studio. We're here till 4 o'clock. Uh, coming up at 2.30, we're going to play back some classic Johnny Carson. You can watch the Johnny Carson show every night on Antenna TV. And uh, we're going to get a visit from Karnak the Magnificent. <laughs> is the uh, is the number. Jim Ryan, who is a music writer and entertainment writer for Forbes Daily Herald Chicago now. Follow him on Twitter, at Radio Jim Ryan, uh, is with us. Hi, Jim. Hello, Nick. Uh, you know, during the uh, during the commercial break there, I was looking up, we have TV screens in here. And I was looking up. <laughs> and, and um, Can I guess what was on? What? Impractical Jokers? Oh, no, no, that's on at 2.30. Oh, I'm sorry. I think. Is it 2.30? No, it's always, it's always on. Trust me. It's yeah. always on when you never want it to be. Well, who wants it to be? Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, they they made a movie. Clearly, they've got I, I, a fan I don't, base. I don't understand. The Impractical Jokers. No, it was it was the Geico commercial with a rat. Oh, okay, I enjoy that. Me. Oh my god, I, it just completely cracks me up. But you know what? Here's the deal. I think every Geico commercial is funny. I I find most of them very funny. I you know I don't know. We've talked about this before. I don't know what ad agency that they use. Uh, but consistently really funny commercials from Geico. Like, I, I met their marketing guy in a NASCAR race, at, I'm, and we, we talked all about this, and yes. Well, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Now, if you've got some insight, I want to hear about it. Cause, uh... Well, we just talked about like the the massive amount of money they spend on advertising at all times. I mean, even even right now when everyone's pulling back on that, you still see $6 trillion Geico ads, right? Oh yeah, yeah, all the time. And it's it's amazing. Um, he was there with the Geico caveman. In fact, <laughs> got a got a nice photo with the caveman. Geico caveman. Remember when pretty, they gave, uh, when they good. gave them a sitcom? Yes, <laughs> I have a friend who was very excited about that sitcom. Oh man, it le- he, he, what, what, was, he was the one. What, he, he was the one. What did it last? Like three episodes before they? Canceled? I don't think it was long. Yeah, not much more than oh, that. Man. Wasn't Nick Kroll on that show? I think he was. Oh wow! Really? I think he was. Yeah, because <laughs> Nick Kroll was a, was was a Geico. He was a Geico uh, caveman. I think. Oh on, man, I that's think, hysterical. I think on the commercials. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, but yeah, he. I think he was on that show. Boy, that I can't believe they. they he, Flo was on that show. What? Flo from uh, Progressive? Progressive. Yeah. What was she? <laughs> she can't do anything with Geico. She think, represents I think, Progressive. I think this is prior to her oh. tenure as Flo. Yeah, Stephanie Courtney, better known as Flo. That's her name. Yeah, Stephanie Courtney. I really like her. Yeah, but yeah, I she, had no idea she had so much uh, experience in the auto insurance commercial <laughs> thing. 
Yeah, she she worked with Geico and Progressive. Who knew? How is that possible? She's playing both sides. She's also uh, a, 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 one of the supporting stars on The Goldbergs. Wow, really? Yeah, she. I think she plays one of the one of the wives' friends. I'm learning so much tonight, and does not look like her flow character at all. Like it took me a while. I was looking again. It was on the TV screen in here in the studio. And I was looking at it, and I'm like, "Is that Flo?" Yeah, and it's her. So, have you ever seen a, a rap, Nick? Who? Have you seen rap perform live? Have I ever seen rat? Oh, rat! Rat. Yes, from, I have. Band that's on yes, the Geico I, commercial. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. I've seen him. I've seen <laughs> okay. him a couple of times. Yeah. One I ta- saw them. An amazing bill with the L.A. Guns. Uh, L.A. Guns. Rat, Great White, the L.A. Guns, and Poison. Oh man. <laughs> Jeez, what what decade were they celebrating? This was 2000 uh, in, in Tinley Park oh. because I bought this poster because it was so I thought it was so hysterical. And to this day, I have it rolled up somewhere. It was just the four heads of the dudes in Poison, and it said Poison 2000. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed that for some reason. I saw Rat a couple of times. I saw him headline once, and then uh, they opened for David Lee Roth. Oh, wow. On the Eat em and Smile tour. It's amazing how frequently DLR comes up during my appearances. I, isn't that crazy? The, David Lee Roth comes up all the time on when, whenever, you, whenever you come in here, whenever you are on the show. That might have to be a monthly it. feature. What's David Lee? What's, what's Diamond Dave up what's to? Diamond Dave up to? Well, nothing now. What Just was it? We, it. We put, what was the song that we played that he, when he, we had his Vegas... Oh, Dance man, the night oh away. God, that was so oh, bad. Oh, Dance the Night Dance Away. The night away. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Oh, Diamond Dave. I saw him, I, I told you this already, I saw him at the, the House of Blues some years ago. He had four different costume changes, and he'd still try, <laughs> he still tried to do the kicks and stuff, and it just wasn't oh, working. Man. just wasn't working. Did you see, uh, he, he had made some headlines last week. David Lee Roth, did you see this story? No. What What did he do? Uh, he announced his, that he has changed his name. He he wants to be referred to as either one of two names now moving forward. Oh come on! I swear I'm not making. I swear I'm not making this up. This is this is he wants, this is real. <laughs> this is real. He wants to go by David L. Roth, middle <laughs> initial L for Lee, uh-huh. or he wants to go by L as in E L as in like the Spanish for the L. Roth. <laughs> I'm not kidding. What? This is this is he what? put this out last week. What? What? Why? I don't know. Uh, did he give a reason as to why he wants to ch- get, to change his name? I'm looking. Uh, I'm looking up the story here right now. Because that's insane. I, I would imagine the reason was that he went two weeks without being in the headlines, but maybe not. Maybe there's an actual reason. Let's. L. Ross. David. <laughs> yes, E. L. L. Roth. Okay, L. Yes. Roth. That's the one I'm going with. <laughs> I don't understand. Um, David Lee Roth has never been a normal dude. It says here the change was inspired by the current movement in the music industry. I've, what is this? It, it comes in response somehow to Black Lives Matter protests that rose up after the death of George Floyd. So only David Lee Roth could connect how, those dots. How did that? Uh, Lee, I guess because Lee. Uh, Robert right. E. Lee? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. All right. Leave it at that. 
David Lee yeah, Roth L. again. Roth. David L. Roth. L. Ro- L. L. Roth. I like L. Roth. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. David Lee Roth. You know, when he made that announcement, he made it was like a weird little art thing he posted on Twitter, and he ended the message with banana fana fo fana. Like the name game. Like the name game, yeah. That's it, I, I don't understand. I mean, you know, nobody's going to ever understand David Lee Roth. Well, nobody makes it through the 80s without a little bit of brain damage, you know, when you're that kind of rock star. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. That's, that's you, a good point. Could you could you imagine what it would be like to be in Van Halen like in, 19, in 1984? <laughs> I mean, my God. But I mean, the, the, some the, of those the, the, some of those opening gigs were amazing before they even started headlining. Yeah, they were opening for Kiss and Rush. And yeah, um, I saw them a couple times. They were great. They had a great live band. So yeah, no, I think it all it all depends on where yeah. Eddie's at in his in true life at that point. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> or L. Roth. <laughs> uh, when I saw them for the first time in '04 with. Sammy Hager. Oh, it was with Hager. Um, yeah, yeah, and that that tour is just renowned as a train wreck. And Eddie was in rough shape, but he oh, was a lot better the two times I saw him with Dave. The last two tours, yeah, they were good. Yeah, I don't know what was the, what was the tour for for the when you saw him for uh, Hager. Uh, it was they had a best they had a best of out with two new tracks on it. That was it, and that was it. And they toured they toured for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, called Best of Both Worlds. It was a two-disc set with oh, right. Roth oh, tracks wow. and Sammy tracks, and there were two new Sammy tracks on it. Jeez, I remember seeing advertisements for that Best of CD. I yeah. like they they advertised that relentlessly in 2004. Yeah, that was back, that was back when Tom was ten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I was watching a lot of VH1. They had yeah. I Love the 80s on there. Oh, I used to love that show. Jeez. Hey man, I lived Nick, it. Did you? Did you go see Van Halen the last couple times they were through, like, 2013, 15? No. Uh, the opener? Have I told you who the opener was on oh, those shows? Because no. oh. it was amazing. No. Handpicked by L. Roth. Uh-huh. Cool in the gang. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. You did mention that before. That's next level. Cool in the gang and Van Halen. That's that's awesome. I would absolutely... I might leave after Cool in the gang. <laughs> Did they ever tour? With, they did, didn't, uh, did they ever tour with the guy from Extreme? Uh, yeah, one tour. Yeah, what's that they guy? What was tour. that singer's name? Gary Sharon. Gary Sharon. That's right. And they released an album with him, right? Uh huh. Oh, People really vehemently hate that album too. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> terrible. A song on the uh, Lethal Weapon Four soundtrack, I believe. Oh no! Mistaken. Come on, seriously. Yeah, fire in the hole. Fire in the hole. <laughs> Lethal Weapon you, 4. You can't make this stuff up. That's where Joe Pesci gets third billing at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's behind somewhere behind Chris Rock and Jet Li. Oh, God. Uh, so um, the, so the, hot, the, the Hot Stove Cool Music thing virtually, and it ended up being a really big success then. Yeah, it sounds like uh, 300 grand, I think, was the last, the last estimate that I saw on Money Raised. So... They, uh, what, what, what I always find so unique about that, because every year I talk to Peter Gammons about this, uh, you know, and it's that they don't just collect money and say, you know, we're, we're collecting money and it's going to this charity and it just stops there. 
they collect the money and then they see through the distribution of it in both Boston and Chicago mm. to handpicked charities that they that they have a significant impact on locally. I mean, they're involved in every every element of that donation process from the raising the money through the seeing through to the donations to then working with, you know, these groups that that the donations go to. I mean, to say that they ensure you know, a positive local impact is really, really an understatement. It's, I think it's so unique about that event. So yeah, no, that's something I really love yeah, every year. No, me too. Uh, uh, me too. I think it's great. And uh, uh, is it the $13 million they've raised now? Yeah. You're, you're to date, pardon me, you're to date over the last 20 years, uh, I think close to 13 million, which is pretty impressive. That's very impressive. Two two yearly concerts. Well, I'm glad it turned. I'm glad it turned out to be okay because it it would be a shame if they had to cancel the event. You know, Mm -hmm. so do it virtually because it's important and a lot of really great. And and again, the lineup this year, unbelievable, right? Yeah, James Taylor, Steven Tyler, Common, Nick Lowe, uh, Tedeschi Trucks. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. Yeah. All right. Well, there we go. I mean, to have seen James Taylor in a small venue like the Metro would have been unbelievable. I saw uh, James Taylor with Carol King. Wow! Uh, at the United Center, I've never seen either one of them, and I love Carol King. Me too. Um, it was it was great because they were both on stage at the same time. They, they would you know oh, they would so good. they would alternate songs by by each other, but they would they were on stage the entire time. Um, oh man, that's it, awesome! No, it was one of the it was seriously one of the best shows uh, that I've ever seen, and. Um, and it was a really it was a really great night too because um, I was in the I was in uh, uh, Rocky's box the, the Hawks box. Very nice. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> the, the owner's box is always exactly, a, yeah, yeah. That's the one, was, you, no, that's the one was, where you want to be. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> All right, did uh, they have a band behind them or no? Um, yes, they did. Okay. Yeah, it was like a three piece, but it was nice. mostly it was mostly just them. You know, I mean. You know they have they have big grand piano out there for Carol King, and uh, you know uh, James Taylor had his guitars and stuff. It was a great show. I mean, because I mean, the, you know the, the the amount of songs between the two of them. Yeah, it's just I mean, it's insane, especially all that no, you know all the Tin Pan Alley stuff. It's crazy. No, it's it, people. I don't. I don't. I mean, Carol King has written some of the greatest songs in the history of music. Yep, and that's not I'm, that's not an understatement. That's the truth, man. And it, and it's I think, amazing. And I think, it's amazing to think that she's got an album like Tapestry, and then she's written all these other songs. I know it's crazy, it's crazy. It's, she's yeah. insanely talented. So, okay, uh, Jim, hold on. Okay, all right, Jim Ryan is with us. We got more uh, 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 stories to talk about that Jim was working on, and interviews and things like that. And we're going to play a round of uh, a Rock of Ages, <laughs> which is a music uh, trivia game named after a Def Leppard song. I guess. I don't know. I like Def Leppard. Tom, do you like Def Leppard? Well, yeah. Both my uh, both my parents met them on two different occasions. What? Yeah. How did I not know this? Oh, I, I, I don't know. It never came up. How? How? Well, <laughs> my mom was uh, traveling through Europe and she was uh, illegally bartending in Dublin. And they came in. Sat at the table, you know. She didn't know who they were. 
served them. They were great, all that kind of stuff, tip bag. And when they left, uh, her friend was like, you know who that was, right? She's like, no, Def Leppard. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah, like um, your mom had no, no, didn't phase her. Yeah, and then my dad played pub league uh, soccer in Germany. I think he was in Germany at the time. And uh, the guys, like, pulled over. They were going on tour through Europe. The whole over. band? Yeah, whole band. They pulled over, and they saw these guys playing pub league, pub league soccer. And they're like, hey, can we come hang out with you? Can we play against you? It's like, yeah, sure. So they played uh, They played league. soccer with Def Leppard. Yeah. I guess it wasn't goal. Joe Elliott? Is he the drummer? Oh, no. No, it was the one-armed drummer. The one-armed drummer? Was yeah. <laughs> put him in goal? Yeah. Apparently, he was really good, too. Why am I blanking on his name? I can't. Could not tell you. Uh, we'll get it. We'll we'll get it right. We'll get it right. We'll find out. I I forget his name. Jeff Leopard, Rick Allen. Is the drummer's name? Couldn't think of his name. So he was in goal. Yeah, and it really, apparently a really good sport about it. The way my dad tells it. Wow. All right. It's Nick DeGilio on seven twenty WGN. Uh, Jim Ryan is with us, and we are live in the uh, Skyline Studio. And the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Jim Rick Allen. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you were probably shouting into the phone. I was. Yeah. His name is Rick Allen. All right. All right. Okay. Hey, we got more music stuff to talk about with Jim. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Radio Jim Ryan. And uh, real quick, here's Glenn on WGN. Go ahead, Glenn. Hey, Nick. Uh, some time ago, I met the guys from Fear Factory. They were working on a side project, Bruce Hillier. Uh huh. Some of the coolest guys ever you could ever meet. Is that right? Absolutely. Oh. So the guys from Fear Factory. Okay, cool. That was the closest thing, the closest I could ever come to see them live. I never attended their concerts, but like I said, some of the coolest guys you could ever meet. Oh, that's good. That's good to hear. All right, Glenn, thanks, buddy. All right, take care, Nick. Take care. So, Jim, uh, Dion DiMucci. Yes. Uh, tell us about, uh, you, you talked with him. Yeah, that's... Uh... I mean, you, you know, you know, run around Sue and the Wanderer. Right. These right, are right. Uh, these are these are legendary songs that almost, you know, his his work with Dion and the Belmonts, um, you know, those kind of those those vocal based songs almost kind of predate rock and roll. He's kind of one of those last guys standing, yeah, uh, yeah. eighty years old. But uh, all he ever wanted to do was sing the blues. So he's got a blues album out. He's had he's had a couple of blues albums out, but uh, his newest album, Blues with Friends, uh, features quite an eclectic lineup of guest artists. Okay. Including Billy Gibbons, Paul Simon, Springsteen, Little Steven, uh, Joe Bonamassa. It's wow. quite an array of, of guest artists on that's, this album. Yeah, wow, that's pretty, something. Pretty great. That is really mm-hmm. something. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I spoke with him about, uh, he says that uh, The Wanderer was very much a blues-influenced song. Mm-hmm. And we kind of spoke about the idea that something that kind of defines some of his greatest songs, The Wanderer being a really good example, is that idea of great storytelling, how you can establish a plot and resolve it within, you know, three minutes as opposed to, say, 300 pages in a book. And that's something that kind of defines the blues tradition as well, that, you know, that great storytelling. So he kind of ties all that together on his latest album. Uh, how's his voice holding up? He still sings in the original key. 
Does he's he eight really? Years old and he he still sings those songs in the original key. Is that right? I'm, I was I was so bummed when we were talking that you know that there's not the ability to see him on tour this summer. Yeah. Jeez, boy, he can hit those notes, huh? Uh huh. Jeez, yeah, Dion. Pretty impressive. Dion in the Belmonts. Uh, where was he when you talked to him? He was. Uh, I believe he lives in Florida now. Mm-hmm. But uh, we we spoke about that whole idea of. I mean, he is he is the literal example of the guy who was singing, you know, doo-wop vocals, you know, learning how to sing on a street corner in New York. I mean, that's literally how he started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's so it's of, kind of that amazing, amazing story of music before there was rock and roll. Yeah, it's one of those. You know, the, 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 there are so many sort of legendary stories about you know guys singing on the on the street corners and stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's a real thing. That that you know, I mean, it goes back to uh, goes back to like the the fifties and the you know early fifties. Yeah, that's. Um, I mean, it's it's crazy to think of of something predating rock and roll, but literally. He was starting to do those vocal harmonies and, and some of those arrangements in the early 50s, you know, before I think Rocket 88 was 51, and then you kind of had Elvis in the mid-50s, so yeah. he was right there at that that very, very beginning of rock and roll. That must have been fun to talk pretty to amazing. I bet he's got oh, a lot. It was, it was great. He's, I mean, he's got, he's got so many stories. You know, he had a story about every single person he'd bring up that's on this album. He's telling me stories about Paul Simon and Springsteen and... You know all these people, Billy Gibbons, and it's just like, oh my God, it's mind-boggling. Yeah, it's amazing when you get to talk to artists like that. That's really fun. I've been really trying to find these artists that are still around from that that first wave of rock and roll. Who, you know, I think especially with the fact that they can't tour right now, I think it's important to try to get these stories down. You know, kind of recorded out there. Yeah. So that's kind of been my goal the last couple months. Um. What about uh, you, in the article the, the the movie Green Book is mentioned? Oh yeah, he uh, he, he wrote a song about uh, his friendship with Sam Cooke mm-hmm. and told me a story about going Sam Cooke taking him to see James Brown before James Brown was a household name. So they went to a little club to see James Brown, and you know he was getting a hard time because because uh, he was there and he was white and it was almost kind of. The, the greedy idea of Green Book in reverse. Yeah, yeah. Sam Cooke was kind of defending him. Uh, so he was real inspired when he saw Green Book to write this song um, called Sam Cooke. And that's the song that Paul Simon guests on. So oh. they, kind of, they kind of just get into that whole, you know, that whole idea of, of what Sam Cooke meant and what he still means today. But it was inspired by Green Book, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So uh, inspired by Green Book, and it's a song for Sam Cooke mm-hmm. is what it is now. Uh, who, who else is, uh, has he, has he, uh, worked with? Uh, Dion, you know, um, when I was prepping for this, I didn't realize that he sings the ending vocal on one of my favorite Lou Reed songs. What's that? Which is a uh, dirty Boulevard. He sings that, you know, that very ending vocal where he was, you know, I'm going to fly away. Yeah. That's Dion. You got, you... I had no, I, I've heard that song 6 million times and I had no idea it was Dion. But it is, Dion. It was wow. actually pointed out to me on Twitter by a reader, and I went and listened to it. And I'm like, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. And it is. Wow, I didn't know that. Yep. Wow. All right. And you found out about that? You didn't find, You didn't talk to him about that then? No, unfortunately, no. Uh, I didn't even know about it. And like I say, somebody uh, somebody on Twitter read the story and mentioned it to me, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. And then I went and looked up the whole uh, 
the whole array of artists who were on that song and was like, oh my God, it is Dion. That's crazy. Yeah, he sings that, that backing vocal at the very end. Right, right. Oh man, that's and I guess the story was that Lou was recording in New York and Dion happened to be recording in the same studio and Lou was a huge, 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 huge fan and went and had somebody track him down and, you know, they, they had a quick talk. They were this kind of mutual admiration society because the whole thing with Dion, and obviously this would be an idea that would appeal to Lou Reed, was that, yes, he was this huge pop star, but by the mid-60s, he was rebelling against that. He didn't want to do it. He wanted to be a blues singer, mm-hmm. um, put out blues records that didn't sell, and he didn't care, you know, drove the label crazy. But right. I, does that sound like an idea that might appeal to Lou Reed? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think so. Wow, that's so they, great. They sat down and talked about it. Yeah, and he's on the phone. That's cool. That's cool that you got to talk to Dion, man. That's that's really mm-hmm. cool. Okay, uh, Jim, hang on. Okay, will do. Uh, Jim Ryan is with us, uh, music and entertainment writer for Forbes, the Daily Herald, Chicago Now. Follow him on Twitter at Radio Jim Ryan. If you got any music uh, questions or comments, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. More uh, pieces that Jim wrote. We're going to talk about, and we're going to play a round of Rock of Ages, uh, the music trivia game that we. Uh, Love to play when uh, when Jim is on with us. Flashback to 1993, like 20,000 men crying at Poplar Creek. (laughs) I love the Dan. You got to love the Dan. Got to love the Dan. Very divisive group, though. Jim Ryan is with us. He's a music entertainment writer at Forbes, Daily Herald, and Chicago Now. Follow him on Twitter at Radio Jim Ryan. You a fan of the Dan, Jim? I enjoyed the Dan, but I've never seen him. I've, I've, now it's kind of that ship has probably sailed. But well, Becker's dead. Yeah. So well, um, it Fagan, but Fagan was still going around playing Fagan, gigs as Steely Dan. Yeah, no, he was, he was, he was still touring around, but it's it's not quite the same as, no. as seeing them. Here's the, here's the story, really quickly. This, like I just said, back in 1993, they had this thing at the pop at Poplar Creek. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, Poplar Creek, uh, baby, Hoffman Estates. Um. <laughs> Uh, I can't tell you the number of concerts I've seen at Poplar Creek. That I, 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 that's the one venue here. I've, I was never at. I was oh, too young. Man, I, I never it, made it. Went to. I can't tell you the number of, of shows. And I mean, so, um, my friend and I go to this rock and soul review. I ended up getting tickets through Roy Leonard. And he's like, I got a okay. pair. Of, I got a pair of tickets for this rock and soul review, and I can't remember who the lineup was. Tom, can you look it up? Oh, man. 1993, I want to say, 1993, the Rock and Soul Review. And it toured the country. And it was a bunch of different acts. And it was it was a review. Um, I know Boz Skaggs was on the... <laughs> Boz Skaggs did was just, on the bill. Did he just play the Lido Shuffle and he then played, no, he, the Thank You, Goodnight? Uh, uh, no, he played, he, played a, he, played, he played a few songs. He's got to play Low Down. Okay. You got to play Low Down, yeah. You got to play That's low. true. That, that's a good point. Um, but... So he, I know he was on the he was on the bill. I want to say Phoebe Snow was on the bill, and so Becker and Fagan were on the bill. 
And they now, now you know, you probably know this, but they were notorious for not touring. Like they were, right. they were a studio band, and they very rarely played out. And so, to see these two guys, you know, and it, they're, 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 this, the 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 catalog of what people were playing on this thing was like they were doing like old R and B standards and stuff. Okay. And, uh, you know, a, a few originals here and there, but but a lot of it was, because it was the Rock and Soul Review, a lot of it was, it was celebrating the old, you know, rock and soul music. So, um, Becker and, and Fagan are out there. And first of all, that alone was enough for, like, you know, grown men to just be weeping. <laughs> uh, Crying in the streets of Hoffman Estates. Yeah, no, we, we, we flooded Hoffman Estates with man tears. <laughs> so... Uh, they're out on stage together, and you know they were playing like a standard, like an old like R and B standard, which was cool. But then they busted into Deacon Blues, and nice. we just wept. <laughs> and I'm not kidding; uh, it got very emotional. Like guys were hugging each other because it was Steely Dan is on stage performing Deacon Blues, and we're here. And so when it was over, Jim, I'm not, I am not making this up. I'm not exaggerating. About a six-minute ovation. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like just men screaming and crying and hugging and cheering for like six minutes. One of the best. Oh, man, that's... One of the best moments I've ever had at a live show was just those two guys playing Deacon Blues for the first time in like 15 years without you know. Uh, it's Steely Dan is on stage. Yeah. Oh. Here here's that uh, lineup. Oh, here's the lineup. Here's the okay. lineup. The Rock, and this is from. They they cut a live album. Oh, they did. Yeah the the New York Rock and Soul Review live at the Beacon. Oh, okay. So this so is they, a, this they, was at the Beacon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they did. They did obviously appear in Chicago. Greg Cott, in fact, did a review of it. Of oh, the wrote, Poplar Creek gig. Yeah. Okay. Um, but here's who was in this lineup of the Rock and Soul Review: Phoebe Snow, right? Michael McDonald. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he spent a lot of time in Steely Dan. Oh no, he did. He was, no, no, was, no, no. I know he was like the unofficial third member. Boss Gags, Eddie Brigatti, David Brigatti, and Charles Brown. Those, 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 those were your. They, they, they don't mention Becker and Fagan. No, that, that that's like to be expected. Uh, yeah, uh, Donald Fagan. Um, but that that was just the live Rock and Soul Review live at the Beacon. Oh, that was just at the Beacon. Fa- uh, oh. Fagan was there. I don't think Becker was there. Um, oh. for that for that he was. In oh Chicago. no, he did. He did. He does come out on that. On the if you're looking at the live looking at the live album here, uh, looks like he came out at the end and did uh, Pretzel Logic. Oh, please, which is a great track. Great, great track. Yeah. Uh, he also did. Oh no, it looks like he also did Chain Lightning. Walter Becker and Dolan Fagan yeah, there, yeah. so yeah, uh, yeah. That was a, that was a pretty that was a pretty fun show. But that moment, you know, when they played Deacon Blues, I'm telling you, I you couldn't you could it was not a dry eye in the house, Jim. <laughs> so I knew Tom was going to say that Michael McDonald was part of that because in like 2011 or 2012, maybe maybe it was even before that, Michael McDonald did a rock and soul review tour, and it was him and Hall and Oates. <laughs> him and Hall and Oates. And it was the it was the Rock and Soul Review, and it was at Chicago Theater. I, bet I remember good. being really upset that I couldn't go to you that. No, I I bet that was great. I bet that was great. Love, love me some Michael McDonald. Yeah, and I love me some Hall and Oates. Amen. Hey, how about uh, you got to talk to LL Cool J? Yeah, come on, uh, 
Come on, man. I... Ladies love. <laughs> cool, cool James. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely come they do. on. Did you talk about NCIS? Oh, we didn't talk about NCIS. Um, <laughs> so what we talked about was two years ago, I interviewed him before he played at Lollapalooza because he was launching his Sirius XM station, right. uh, Rock the Bells, which right, is right, classic right. hip-hop. So he's now... He's now launched a whole brand expansion of the Rock the Bells idea. He wants Rock the Bells to be the hip-hop Amazon, for for lack of a better way to put it. Like oh. anything you could possibly associate with hip-hop culture, whether it's buying a pair of Air Jordans or, you know, anything else, whether it's clothing, alcohol, uh, anything. Uh, <laughs> he wants you to buy it through rockthebells.com instead of through Amazon. Uh, it's he's got he gave an ownership stake to tons of other 80s hip-hop artists big daddy kane has an ownership stake cool. uh, salt and pepper you cannot cool. make this up cool he said he said if, if we're going to make all this money off classic hip-hop why should they not have an ownership stake in it the people who created it that's awesome with. that's really so, yeah, awesome yeah that's his whole thing wow so what was it like to talk As to always him? i you know i love ella cool j me so too man you know i had that's one where i have to like uh, consciously make sure I'm not being a fan. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. <laughs> like I, to- I, to- I totally understand, man. I totally understand. <laughs> because uh, I, he's so he's so smart. Like he's when you, when you hear him talk business like this, which I have now a couple times at length. Like yeah. he he is such a smart businessman. It's like it's a gear I don't have. <laughs> yeah, so I'm fast. I'm fascinated by listening to someone like him who has it in spades. Yeah, he's fantastic. And he was great in Halloween H two O. Yes, he was. Uh I always you know you know you know what you know what show I miss? I gotta say, because some of them are so classic episodes. I miss MTV's unplugged. Oh my god. His version of Ma- uh, Mama's gonna Ma- knock Ma- you Ma- out. Mama said knock so you out. On that. It's unbelievable. The whole band. The whole band like a jazz it's, scat uh, band it's kinda, yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable! That's one. I think it's one of the best of all of the unplugs. Is is agreed. I mean, absolutely and, and, that, and particularly that version of Mama said knock you out. Well, and that was like that was one of the first episodes, wasn't it? Because that was back when he doesn't even get the full episode. That was back when they would have like oh three right on it. That's right, and right. It yeah, they had like a host on it too. That's right. Yeah, I said, man, I, I loved yeah. unplugged. I loved unplugged. There's. Sometimes I'll fall down like a, a YouTube rat, like rabbit hole of unplugged because there's so many I don't remember watching. Yeah, in the '90s, like I don't remember watching The Cure, I don't remember watching Aerosmith or Soul Asylum or you know all these bands that that did unplugged back then that never got released. Yeah. You can't buy them or you know listen to the it's, you know stream it, them or anything. Everybody everybody remembers the Pearl Jam one and uh, right. probably Stone Temple Nirvana. Pilots, Stone Temple Pilots, yeah. Nirvana. Well, Nirvana. Al- uh, yeah, Alice in Chains at that time. Well, their Nirvana album went out and would, mm-hmm. sold millions, uh, uh, you know. But, uh, yeah, that was a good show. Okay, Jim, hang out, okay? Will do. Got to talk to LL Cool J, man. How cool J is that? <laughs> Jim Ryan is with us. we got a few more stories to talk about, and we're going to play a round of Rock of Ages music trivia. 312-981-7200.
Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the uh, Skyline studio here till uh, 4 o'clock. A little bit later on, we're going to talk about states with the worst drivers, driving pet peeves. Um, and uh, we have a, a drive through haunted house in uh, Japan. Still not quite sure how that works. Also, coming up uh, just in a few minutes, every uh, weekday morning at 2.30, we play back some classic clips from the Johnny Carson Show, which you can watch on Antenna TV every night. And we're going to get a visit from Karnak the Magnificent from 1990. 312-981-7200 is our phone number if you would like to join us. Jim Ryan is with us, music and entertainment writer at Forbes Daily Herald, Chicago Now. Always great to have Jim on. You can follow him on Twitter at Radio Jim Ryan. Jim, just a little bit. We're going to play a little. We're going to play a round of uh, Rock of Ages. Yeah, I've uh, I've I've got to hopefully redeem myself here. If <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll recall what happened last time, the culmination of last last uh, last time's epic battle. Yeah, well, right, how, where I gave it to you on the last question. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, not one of my not one of my prouder moments. No, no. But we'll get we'll get going in, the, in in that in a little bit. So you talked to Joe Elliott from Def Leppard. I did, and particularly you talked about his favorite live albums. He seems to have favorite live albums. His, he has a passion for live albums. He is. So I had picked up in my prep that he's a fan. Like you know, like I don't always talk to these guys who who are just unabashed fans of, of rock and know their history. And I wasn't necessarily expecting that from Joe Elliott, but it was obvious the second I started reading old interviews. And yes, he is. He's a huge fan of live albums, and he knows his stuff. Yeah, it was impressive. What were some of his uh, What were some of his choices? What what, did you, what else did you guys talk about? Um, well, so Def Leppard has a new live album out. It's their fourth uh, album. It's fourth live album. It's uh, in their first performance ever at O2 Arena in London. They ran through Hysteria in full, and then they did a. Uh, they did a residency in Las Vegas where they were performing in some situations uh, songs from their catalog for like the first time ever. Um, Vivian Campbell, who's been in the band for 27 years, had never performed some of these songs. So, I mean, they were digging really deep in the catalog, and that's all captured on their new live album, wow. London to Vegas. But um, his uh, his favorite live albums are, I think he said the first one he got was, was Mop the Hoople's Live 74, mm. and then he got Frampton Comes Alive. Well, everybody, but, had, uh, everybody had Frampton Comes Alive. <laughs> He he spoke in depth though about what a shock it was for a live track to top the charts in the UK. That that just doesn't happen there. Yeah. But um. What show he, me he show me on, the way show me the way correct show me the way yeah yeah. yeah. But uh, he went on then to list uh, "Live and Dangerous" by Thin Lizzy, which oh. is phenomenal. Yes. Uh, Str- Strangers in the Night by UFO, my favorite live album of all time. Budokan, Cheap Trick. Oh, another great and, one. And then he went in, he went into a long explanation of why his current favorite live album is. The Who's Quadrophenia Live in London, as recorded in 2013 at Wembley Arena. Really? He, he was very particular about how it was recorded, that it just sounds stunning, and that, yes, it's a 2013 recording. So he's he's very into live albums. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, he's a huge fan. And um, so, they, so they've released now, this, so Def Leppard has released four live albums then. This is their fourth one, yeah. This is, I think it's the first time, though, they capture Hysteria in full, and there's a lot of tracks on that that, you know, they haven't, they haven't played in some time. But, I mean, we talked a ton about the impact of Hysteria because seven singles off of it were hits. I mean, to even release seven singles is just insane today, you know what I mean? Hysteria, was that, wow. 
Seven, seven singles. Seven singles off of that record? So it was, they worked with Mutt Lang on it. They yeah. had worked with Mutt Lang already on Pyromania. Right. And would you care to guess what kept Pyromania peaked at number two? Would you care to guess what album kept Pyromania in 1983 from hitting number one? Thriller? Thriller. So Mutt Lang and Thriller had how many singles off of it? Oh, uh, I don't seven. know. Seven. Oh, it had seven? So Mutt Lang's whole plan when they got back together to talk about hysteria, he said, we need to make the rock and roll thriller. And Joe Elliott said they all looked at him like he was nuts. But after a half hour of him explaining it, they're like, okay, maybe it's possible. And they wrote those songs specifically with a little bit more of a pop leaning. Yeah. Wow. And sure enough, that's, it's one of, they're one of the, <laughs> there's some insane stats about the hysteria album. They're one of the only five bands in rock history, in music history, to have two diamond release, two diamond albums, not gold or platinum, but diamond, two diamond albums of original material, so not a best of. Yeah. You know, those don't count, just two studio albums. It's them, the Beatles, uh, I'm blanking on the others, but it's, they're, they're it's one, a crazy list. They're one of five. One of five in music history. That's amazing. Um, that album sold 25 million copies. It's yeah, it's just crazy. I guess, I guess I'd forgotten just how big hysteria was. I mean, I remember Can't pour I, some sugar on me. I mean, yeah, 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 a staple in strip clubs all over the country. <laughs> <laughs> the, that group of five, by the way, is uh, the Beatles, Pink Floyd, Zeppelin, and Van Halen, and Def Leppard's the fifth. Wow. What? T- yeah, because like the two- Eagles and stuff like that, they have two diamond albums, but one of them's the greatest hits. greatest hits. Yeah. Well, what would the Floyd? Yeah. Uh, wait, the Dark Side of the Moon. I'm guessing Dark Side of the Moon and the Wall. That would be my guess, right? I'm guessing, yeah. yeah Dark Side that of the Moon and the Wall would probably be the choices there. Van Halen, I think it was 1984 and For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. Come on, really? I think. <laughs> I think I think it was One Dave, One Sammy. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I mean, I, I, I figured Dave, it was 1984. 1984 was just a huge album. Um, how about Zeppelin? What do, you, what do you think it was on Zeppelin? I don't um, know. Geez, Zeppelin, that's... Four Zeppelin four, I would say. Um, yeah, and pro- well, physical maybe. I'm honestly not sure. Let's see. I'm looking for because it's got to be Zeppelin four. I mean, it's that's got to be. You know, it's got to be their for Van Halen. It was uh, it was the self titled album. It was Van Halen in 1984. So I take it back. It was both Dave. Oh, okay. All right. Well, there you go. But that's pretty amazing. Those stats for Joe Elliott. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. I had vastly underrated uh, Def Leppard's yeah. <laughs> role, I guess, in, in as far as the upper echelons of rock royalty. I yeah, guess. No, I mean, in I, terms I, of sales. Yeah, just it's nuts. It's nuts. I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, I knew that. Um, you know, like I said, I remember Hysteria being a really, really big album, and obviously Def Leppard was huge at that time. But I didn't know that th- those numbers are nuts. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Your singles were Pour Some Sugar on Me, Love Bites, Armageddon and Hysteria, Women. There's uh, the Photograph? Photograph. No, uh, animal. No, photograph is on animal. animal. Photograph is on Pyromania. Animal. And I'm, I'm still missing one. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Just big stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. Really big stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Frank. Uh, Frant- where, where are you on them for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Uh, are they, they finally get in? They got in, didn't they? Yeah, they're finally in. Yeah, no, but I that's think one that people get upset about that they're because they're in. Yeah, why? 
The Bon Jovi effect. <laughs> well, Bon Jovi doesn't deserve to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Def Leppard does. See, I would agree with you on that. Why would people get upset but Def Leppard's in the Rock and Roll when lumped, it doesn't make any sense? They they get lumped into the whole hair metal thing. Oh, I, unfairly. Unfairly. Completely unfairly. Yeah. But they do. I mean, uh, look at these tours. This tour they were going to go on this summer was Def Leppard, Poison, Motley Crue. Yeah, when right, I saw them, right. When I saw them last time, it was Def Leppard, Poison, and Lita Ford. <laughs> Lita Ford. <laughs> and Rosemont. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, you've seen some great shows. I got to tell you, oh, Jim, yeah. you've seen some great stuff, man. <laughs> All right, Def Leppard. Joe Elliott likes live albums. I do, too. <laughs> And, and I think it was it was illegal in the '70s if you did not own Frampton Comes Alive. <laughs> I think the cops could just bust into your house and arrest you if you didn't own a copy of uh, Frampton Comes Alive. Yeah, what's 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 the uh, the joke? You know, if, if you uh, if you if you owned a home in the suburbs, you were distributed a copy of Rumors, and I would say for me in the '90s, it was ne- never mind, probably yeah. right. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Rumors was another one. Rumors was just it was ridiculous. Uh, everybody, everybody owned that record. Everybody did. But yeah, Frampton comes alive, man, with that dead look on his face on the co- <laughs> on the cover. <laughs> yeah. It's a great record, though. I, I was supposed to see him at a uh, perform at a NASCAR race in Texas, oh my and it God. rained and got canceled. What a bummer. <laughs> Speaking of these classic shows I've, I've been to, Nick, yeah, that's one I didn't get to go to. That's too bad. <laughs> I've seen Frampton. He's great. But I mean, it's, I saw. I got to tell you, I saw Frampton in his heyday, though, like in the seventies. Yeah, I can't stand Frampton. Me neither. What? Yeah, that Frampton can't stand him. Yeah, I don't. I don't care for it. Oh God! Especially when he puts that little tube in his mouth and goes yes. wah wah, yeah. wah 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 wah. <laughs> the talk box, exactly. Talk box, man. Stupid. Oh, thank you, Tom. I love Frampton. That's fine. You're I ins- love them, and I love Frampton Comes Alive. And entitled to be wrong. Do You Feel Like We Do is a jam, and it's not long enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think okay. I could do my do my entire laundry for the day, and that song yes, would be done. Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe we'll get some Frampton trivia questions here as, God, part, of, oh, not, as part of Rock of well, Ages. Then I will not be redeeming myself okay. this week. All right, Jim, hold on. All right. Okay. Uh, we're going to come back and play a round of Rock of Ages. Oh, actually, we're going to come back and we got uh, Carson. Classic Carson clip. Clip. Carson. Karnak, the Magnificent, coming up. Right. Hey, Nick DeGiulio here on 720 WGN. Um, uh, Jim Ryan is going to come back and we're going to play a round of Rock of Ages, which is a fun music trivia game that we always play when Jim is on with us. But before we get back to that conversation and uh, the Rock of Ages game, uh, every morning right around this time, we play some classic clips from the Johnny Carson Show. You can watch the Johnny Carson Show every night on Antenna TV. And we always share some comedy, whether it's stand-up or a sketch or something like that. Well, uh, this morning we are sharing what is my, my favorite character that Johnny Carson used to do, and that, of course, is Karnak the Magnificent. This is from 1990. Let's hear some Karnak. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for a very rare visit from that famous visitor from the East. The all-knowing, all-seeing, all-telling, all-omniscient, famous seer, sage, soothsayer, and former fertility advisor to Deborah Norville... Jim Solabim. We have not seen you for too long a time. That's true. Nice to welcome you once again. Thank you. I hold in my hands the envelopes. My four-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Catherine Mary, could tell that these envelopes are hermetically sealed. They've been kept in a mayonnaise jar on Funkin' Wagdell's porch since noon today. No one knows the answers inside these envelopes, but you, in your mystical and borderline divine way... We'll ascertain the answers without even knowing heretofore the questions. Isn't that correct, sir? Do we have time for this now? <laughs> Heart gets longer every time we do this. Now family plugs. <laughs> they have the first envelope. Here is the first envelope. Hermetically sealed. That's right. I will divine the answer to the question. Yes. In the envelope. Funk and Wagnall's porch since noon today. <laughs> That's right. A Northwest pilot, John F. Kennedy Jr. A Northwest pilot, John F. Kennedy Jr. Name two guys who can't pass a bar. Karnak <laughs> <laughs> hot tonight. Yes. <laughs> All systems go. All systems go. What happens if you take a Sinutab, a Maalox, and a Phenomint? <laughs> Minesweepers. Minesweepers. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Name the book Hitler wrote about his cleaning lady. Remember, all-powerful Karnak can control air-conditioning thermostat. Ten-four. Ten-four. How do a big guy and a little guy split 14 bucks? Dit, 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 da, 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 dit, dit, dit. <laughs> what would you hear outside Porky Pig's honeymoon suite? The Eternal Flame. Who do hairdressers pray to? <laughs> Oxnard. 
Octonoid. What's the least appetizing part of the ox? What do you call an elderly men's room attendant? Karnak headed into Bedouin butt basin. Persnickety. How do you get paid when you're picking snickerdies? Persnickety. These are a few of my favorite things. What do you say to a doctor who's wearing a rubber glove? Spam. Spam. What's the sound of a pig hitting the bottom of an elevator shaft? high water. Name two things you really don't want in your underwear. I hold in my hand the last envelope. May a nearsighted sand flea suck syrup off your short stack. Not easy. Pecan, almond, Saddam Hussein. Name two nuts and a maniac. <laughs> I'm still laughing about the syrup comment. <laughs> Why is he saying man nearsighted? Man nearsighted. Oh, I don't even. I don't even know. There are a lot of s's in it. Yeah. Suck syrup off your short stack. Yeah. (laughs) Say that ten times fast. Oh, Johnny. Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. Funny, funny, funny. All right. We listen to uh, some great comedy from the Johnny Carson show um, every morning around 2.30. It's always one of my favorite parts of the show. Uh, I love Johnny Carson. And the Johnny Carson show can be seen on Antenna TV every night. Let's get Jim back in here and start a quick game here of Rock of Ages. Hi, Jim. Hello there. That's pretty. That was pretty funny, wasn't it? I enjoy him so much. Yeah, I know, especially Karnak. Yep. Oh, so good. Okay. Are we ready for some Rock of Ages? Mm, it's debatable, but yeah. Uh, all right. I will. Uh, I will read a question to you, and Tom will read a question to me, and then whoever has the most things at the end with the thing wins. All right. <laughs> the Buick is in play. Did I, yeah, the Buick is in play. 1973 Buick. I repeat, the Buick is in play. And it uh, was once driven by Steve McQueen. So, But it's not a green Mustang. It's not the cool green Mustang. <laughs> it's a yellow Buick. It's a yellow Buick. 
All right. Um, okay, you ready? Yes. Rock of Ages, there's four different categories, and the first one is 50s and 60s, okay? Okay. What 17-minute song was originally titled the, Gar- the Garden of Eden, but through a series of mishaps ended up with a similar but nonsensical title? Inagata DeVita. That's exactly right. Gazunta. Right. That's exactly right. Actually, I think I thought the story was that they were drunk. I mean, a series of mishaps. Iron Butterfly <laughs> was drunk. Um, like, the group was drunk. Like, you know, the So, all right. I still love that, the scene in The Simpsons in the church. I mean, it's still, it's one of my favorite, it's one of my favorite Simpsons moments of all time. Okay, well, you, you got one, Jim. All right. Okay, what do we got? What do we got here now? All right, 50s and 60s, Nick. Yeah, yeah. Buster Keaton died. John oh, Lennon said. Come on, man. John Lennon said we're more popular than Jesus. TV's Batman debuted, and The Sounds of Silence was number one. Name the year within one. 64. Just outside. 66. 66? Yeah. I knew I was going to go 65. I'm like, it's got to be Revolver Rubber Soul era. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 65, year I was born. So, all All right, well. You're you're in the lead, Jim. <laughs> it's rare to hear you say that, but thank you. Ready for the seventies and eighties? I am. Uh, name the fourth number one hit from Saturday Night Fever soundtrack, delivered by Hawaiian songstress Yvonne Elliman. Uh, fourth number one. Fourth number one. No idea. No idea. If I, I, if, I, if I can't have you, mm-hmm. ah, okay. I don't want nobody, baby. Right. If I can't have you. Yep. So many hits off that album. That soundtrack. Yep. All right. That's, by, by the way, that's that's the album that I that I uh, brought to get in for 98 cents at uh, Disco Demolition. <laughs> oh, Saturday Night Beaver? Yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. All right. All right. Uh, 70s and 80s, Nick. Yeah, what happened? Norman Rockwell died. Oh, come the, on, man. The Lufthansa heist was committed. Animal House debuted. Oh, I got it. And Kiss You, you All Over was number I one. Got it. 78. Correct. Yeah. I want to kiss you all. Lufthansa over. was in 78? Yeah. I mean, is it. Did they. Do the they. Lufthansa Heist. Do they put the date on the screen during Goodfellas or am I nuts? I don't mm. even remember. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I'd have to go back and take a look. I remember the, uh, that it's. I think it's March. March 6th. Mm-hmm. 1983, when the helicopters are chasing them. <laughs> One of the greatest scenes in film history, as far as I'm concerned. Stir the sauce! <laughs> All right. All right, Jim, you ready? I am. Okay. 90s, 2000s. Uh, what do the three partial names of tea, cube, and vanilla, oh, come on, have in common? Wait, What? What say that again? What do the partial names of tea, cube, and vanilla have in common? Oh, uh, well, I'm missing something so obvious, aren't I? Eighties and nineties. What do the names have in common? Uh, yeah, tea, cube, and vanilla. What does they have in common? Uh, come on, man. What do they have in common? Yeah. Tea? tea, like the drink? Cube no, and vanilla? tea. The letter T. 
And then okay. Cube, Cube, and Vanilla. People are yelling at their radio right now. <laughs> I, might, I might have to reach through the phone and punch we, him. This happens to me every time we play. Oh, my God. I say we, God. He's, on, he's on a time limit here. I mean, I, 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 yeah, say, just go. What is it? Ice. I don't, okay. Oh, good Lord. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this game. <laughs> I hate this game. <laughs> oh, well, okay. All right. What, what what do we got next here? All right. Uh, 90s and 2000s. Maurice Gibb died. Seven astronauts perished aboard the space shuttle Columbia. School of Rock debuted, and Into Club was number one. Name the exact year. The exact year. 2003. Correct. Bingo. All right. How many do I? I got two right, right? Correct. Yeah, you okay, got two. So we're tied two at two. Right. All right. This is the uh, uh, Beatles or uh, Elvis, okay? Great. <laughs> what, Just read it. What famous farm of which several blues songs have been written did Elvis's dad, Vernon, spend nine, man- nine months at? Maggie's Farm? Uh, no. Okay. What is it? Perchman Farm, also known as the Mississippi State Penitentiary. <laughs> Ah, okay. Got it. Oh, right. it Vernon, man, was was in jail. Mm. Wow. All right. All right. Beatles. Did you know that one out of curiosity? Oh no, no. no okay. I, never, I never would have gotten it. I just some Mississippi just State okay. Penitentiary. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Beatles and Elvis. Yeah. What was the true color of Elvis's hair and eyes? Uh, hair and eyes. True colors. Uh, blonde and blue. Correct. Very good. All right. All right, Jim, hold on, man. We got one more <laughs> round to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm ahead 3-2. Hold on, Jim. All right. There's Jim. He's hanging on. All right. Jim Ryan is with us. Um, he is a music and entertainment writer at Forbes Daily Herald, Chicago Now. You can follow him on Twitter at Radio Jim Ryan. We always play a round of Rock of Ages, which is a music trivia game that we enjoy. Jim, we're back. Some of us enjoy it, Nick. Okay. Not all of us enjoy all right. it. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're here in the game, and it is um, three to two. I'm ahead. Uh, and I apologize ahead of time, Jim, but this is one of those, got the, you got the one year, of the, dates. You know, the date, right. year, the year questions. All right. Again, these are random. Well, they were well, congratulations, Nick. No. <laughs> 50s and 60s. All right. Winston Churchill okay. died. Ferdinand Marcos became president of the Philippines. TV's Get Smart debuted. And Help Me Rhonda was number one. Name the year within one. 61. No, 65. Uh, 65. Well, help me run it. Was that late? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the reason why I would have guessed a later 60s is because Get Smart, when it said Get Smart debuted, I I would think that would be the mid or late 60s. Yeah, I was going with the Beach Boys as my gauge. You know what? And that does make sense, actually, because that was off. That was right before before, uh, Pet Sounds. Yeah, there you go. All right. What do we got? uh, 
All right, 50s, 60s. Yeah. In the song Mac the Knife, yeah. what does the term scarlet billows refer to? Scarlet billows, Mac the Knife. Um, clouds? No. It refers to blood from a shark bite. Oh, right. Mac the Knife. Right, 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 right. Okay. All right. Never did like that song. You don't like Mac the Knife? No. All right. 70s and 80s, you ready? Yes. Uh, Rick Nelson died. The Titanic was located at 12,500 feet. TV's Moonlighting debuted, and Money for Nothing was number one. Name the year within one. 85. That's exactly right. Nice job, man. Money money for Nothing was the thing that, uh, for me. Money for Nothing and Moonlighting, yeah. Those were my... Okay. That was my guide. Good job. We're tied at three. All right. What happened? What happened? Yeah. 70s and 80s yeah. is what happened. In what number one hit from 1972 does the singer get stood up at the altar, contem- contemplate suicide, and suffer the death of his mother? Jeez. In what 1972 number one hit? Does the singer get stood up at the altar, contemplate suicide, and suffer the death of his mother? Good Lord. Uh, I don't know. Cats in the Cradle? No. <laughs> Alone Again, oh, naturally. of course. Of course. Alone I should have got that. again. I should have got that. All right, Jim, you ready? Yes. 90s, 2000, Alex Haley died. Amy Fisher shot Mary Jo Buttafuoco. <laughs> Wayne's World debuted, and Baby Got Back was number one. Name the exact year. 94. Nope. 92. No. 92. 92. 92. Darn it. Okay. All right, Tom, what do we got? All right, 90s, 2000s. When shock rocker Alice Cooper said, Marilyn, I am your father, in his best Darth Vader voice, whom was he speaking about? Marilyn Manson. That is correct. I mean, that's an obvious one, don't you think, Jim? Yeah, that would be. Yeah, that there would you be go. pretty obvious. Okay, uh, best you can do is tie. Is, is we can achieve a tie. <laughs> Beatles and Elvis. The Beatles covered several Chuck Berry songs, including "No More Monkey Blank." Business. Yes, exactly right. Okay, we are tied. If I get it right, I win. If I don't, we end up in a tie, and we split the Buick <laughs> and the ghost of Steve McQueen. Could really use it for all the errands I'm not running. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right, Beatles and Elvis. Yeah. For the win. What madame contributed the wax figures of Sonny Liston, Lawrence of Arabia, and others to the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper's album Um, cover? What madame? Trousseau? I, I'm going I'm to give it to you. you got oh, the, I don't know about that. Oh, he got the gist of it. I'm, I'm filing this under protest. What is it? All right, too sewed. Too sewed. Oh, sewed. Okay. Too sewed. So, in it. I don't know. All right. We're tied. We'll end it in a tie. <laughs> That's a split Buick, everybody. It's a split Buick. That's how it works. Who's sitting in the back? <laughs> Steve McQueen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Jim, man, always a pleasure. Always a lot of fun to have you on. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll get you on again next month, okay? It is always my pleasure. Thank okay. you, guys. All right, buddy. Take care. Good old Jim Ryan. One of our favorite guests. So, Hey, uh, we're going to talk about uh, states with the worst drivers, and then what are your driving pet peeves? 
312-981-7200. And we'll do some drive through stories as well in a drive through haunted house that opened in Japan. 312-981-7200. If you want to join us to talk about your driving pet peeves and worst drivers and all of that fun stuff. And I know that uh, there are people have a lot of driving pet peeves. A lot of people are angry out on the road. So we'll get into that. 312-981-7200. Worst drivers, what states have the worst drivers? And uh, we'll talk about some driving pet peeves. All right. And we'll get to that after the news. Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio. We're here till 4 o'clock as we are every weekday morning, uh, 11 p.m. to 4 a.m., keeping you company, keeping you informed, and keeping you going. Uh, at 4 o'clock, we uh, head over to the uh, Bradley Place into the uh, WGN TV early morning news, and then at 5 o'clock, it's the one and only Bob Surratt with your morning drive. So the uh, the... States with the Worst Drivers 2020 edition has been released. Um, Many states and uh, localities uh, that enacted shelter-in-place orders with the onset of the coronavirus crisis are now carefully implementing phased plans to reopen. With air travel not as available or carefree an option as before the pandemic, Americans are looking for safety on the road with their summer plans as they take uh, shape. Uh, but safety while road tripping, which uh, can prevent significant dents in your savings, can also, uh, and depends on your driving. That's why Smart Asset decided to analyze the data to find uh, the states with the worst drivers. Uh, to find the states with the worst drivers, we considered four metrics. Percentage of drivers who are insured. Number of driving uh, under the influence of arrests, DUIs, per 1,000 drivers, number of fatalities per 100 million vehicle miles driven, and how often residents Google terms like traffic ticket or speeding ticket. Um, so we've got the, the states with the worst drivers, and uh, we'll jump into that. But also, what about uh, driving here in, in Illinois? Do you have any uh, driving... Things that make you go nuts that you can't stand. Uh, here's Tom on WGN. Hi, Tom. Hey, good morning, Nick. Hi. Hi. Hey, I'm, I'm like you before I get to what I was going to say. Uh, I don't care much for this hot weather, but I look at it this way. I'd rather have it hot than 40 below with the wind chill. Yeah, I, uh, you know what? I, I hate both of them, but I'd rather have the cold. Well, yeah, yeah, well, like you say, it's better to sleep when it's cold. It's easier to sleep when it's cold. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right. Anyway, uh, pet peeves was uh, driving are people that ride the left lane, and my other one is uh, I have well, I have two vehicles. Which the one I'm not driving because I would have let you hear. I would have let you heard it. Um, I got a jeep with a set of train horns, uh-huh. and uh, people that sit there on their phones at uh, red lights, you know, and then the light changes green, and 20 seconds later they take off. Well, I blast that horn. A couple of times, 
uh, while I'm driving, if I see somebody next to me, I'll unload on that. And, uh, it'll scare the bejesus <laughs> out of people. I, I'm, I'm I, just picturing, Tom, I'm picturing you behind someone at a stoplight and them on the phone, and you hit that horn and the phone goes flying out of the car. Their heads jump up so fast, it's unbelievable. <laughs> hey, but you know what? I'm 63. I've been driving a long time. I've only had one ticket in my life, and that was wow. a claim of a, well, they said I was speeding, but the cop never showed up. And I, it was tossed out of court. That was the only written ticket I have ever had in my life. I've gotten a couple parking tickets, which I paid, but right. never a moving violation. Well, good life. for you, man. That's that's yeah. that's impressive. That's very impressive. You know, you know the, the most important thing when people leave their homes or they get pulled over is that little bald light on the license plate. Yeah. You know, if you if you can't keep make sure that your headlights work, your taillights and brake lights work, you shouldn't even be out on the road to begin with because you're just asking for trouble. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Absolutely yeah, right. Don't, they don't need the, work, the yeah. warning. Enough, so. yeah. All right, man. All right, Take Tom. Take, take care, care, buddy. Be safe. All right, you too. Yeah. Bye. He makes, he makes very valid points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he, and he said that uh, people uh, in the left lane, mm-hmm. you know, going 30. <sighs> Yeah, you just got you got to hit him with a. <laughs> no, I I mean I I just I drove to Iowa this weekend and uh, I would got I gotta say people were pretty uh pretty good out on the road. Yeah, although I I mean we were just flying though, just flying down I eighty and eighty eight. A lot of know? people a, a lot of people are doing that. Not just you know not just on the interstates, but you know like in the Kennedy and. Yeah, just 85 miles. Heck, when I get on Lakeshore on my way home in the mornings from here. People are going nuts. Are just, mm. Yeah. It's Talladega out there. Yep. I swear. But the traffic has increased. Oh, there's no doubt. Since, you know, when the when the quarantine was put into place, there was hardly anybody on the road. Mm. But now it's getting back to... About, about to about normal. Yeah, close. Yeah, I had to pick up my brother once when you know things were a little bit more in the we were more locked down and stuff. I'd say somewhere around April. Yeah, I had to go get him from the airport because he was coming back. I got from Uptown, like Lakeshore, Uptown. Yeah, to O'Hare in about twenty five minutes. Wow, because just Irving Park, nothing. Yeah, nothing. Ninety nothing yeah unbelievable i've noticed that you know because you live you know i live right on irving park right um and i've noticed you know there was there was a period of time when there was nothing happening ghost town yeah there was nothing and irving park is four lanes it's a very very popular road and used a lot by a lot of people i i love that road because it's very simple but i also hate it so much it is so riddled with potholes well yeah there's construction constantly i mean i get it i get it you know i appreciate the guys out there putting asphalt on the ground whatever but i had i had construction in front of my apartment building for like a month like right outside my front window and, you know, I try to sleep during the day, but, you know, when there are five guys outside with, you know, forklifts and jackhammers, it's a little difficult. And then when they finished the corner right outside my apartment building, 
they started doing construction right across the street. <laughs> no rest for the weary, right, Nick? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, I know they got to do their job. That's cool and everything. Sure, but yeah. and, and, and look, I'm, you know, you and I, the night shift people are in the minority. Most people work during the day. Yeah, the world does not stop and start at our exactly. And I understand that. I totally understand that. And yet, it's really annoying. <laughs> it's can't, really annoying. Can't be helped. Can't be helped. But all right. Uh, all right, we're going to get back to this. Uh, the states that have the worst drivers. What are your driving pet peeves? And where do you see where, what what uh, do you see examples of terrible driving? We also have some weird drive-through services and a drive-through haunted house. That they have, of course, it's in Japan. Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago, here till 4 o'clock as we are every weekday um, night into morning. Um, and then at 4 o'clock we head over to Bradley Place for the TV uh, early morning news, and then the great Bob Surratt at 5 o'clock with your morning drive. 312-981-7200 is the uh, phone number. What are your driving pet peeves, and where do you see some of the worst driving? I have here the states with the worst drivers. Coming in at number one is Mississippi. Mississippi has the second highest rate of fatalities per one million vehicle miles um, uh, while driven at 1.63. The state also ranks second for the lowest percentage of drivers who are insured at just 76%. Mississippi also has the highest ratio of Google searches for speeding ticket and traffic ticket. Uh, relative to searches for gasoline at 2.3. Those are all the numbers that contribute to why um, these are considered the worst states to drive in. Nevada comes in second. Nevada has the fourth highest rate for the Google search metric with searches like speeding ticket or traffic ticket coming up at 2.23 times more often than searches for gasoline. Uh, The state also ranks eighth worst in its number of DUI arrests per 1,000 drivers at 5.54. Oh, man. DUI arrest. Well, Vegas. Right? Vegas. Nevada ranks in the worst half of the study for the number of fatalities per 100 million vehicle miles driven at 1.71. Nevada. Now, you know, I've never been to Vegas. I've I've been, but it was, it was, you know, I think it had a cocktail. Yeah, I've never been to yeah. Vegas. Um, you know, one, I don't like hot weather. Well, as they say, it's a dry, it's a dry heat. heat. Yeah, I know. So is an oven. So, um, and two, I don't gamble, and now I don't drink. So there's like there's absolutely no reason for me to go. I don't know. You could always go see Cirque du Soleil. No. Oh, are they bankrupt? Yeah. Well, it was fun while it lasted. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I don't know. 
Um, geez, that's a lot of DUIs, though. I mean, that's a lot of DUIs. It's just it's it's the most irresponsible thing you can. It's do. ridiculous. When, you know, there's a lot of dumb stuff you can do while you're drinking. A lot of it is more than likely going to hurt just you. Yeah. But get behind the wheel of a car. Listen, that's the worst thing you can do. You know how much I used to drink. Never once, and I'm not kidding, did I get behind the wheel drunk. Never once. If my car was at the bar, I would leave it there, get in a cab, go home, pick it up the next day. Get the morning. Get it in the morning. Well, not the morning. (laughs) The the late afternoon. The late afternoon, yeah, it's more like. At the crack of noon. (laughs) There was an interview of... on, a, on an old talk show um, where they were interviewing Mo Howard, okay? Uh, and this was what... Mo, Mo was the last stooge to die. All the other stooges passed away before Mo. But anyway, so Mo was on this talk show. <laughs> and he was, I'll never forget this because it's one of my favorite things ever. <laughs> he said he was, he, was, uh, he was at a cabin on a fishing trip. And uh, it's very quiet, and, uh, you know, you can sleep very well. And then he says, you know what? Then, you know, you you, you wake up in the morning, wide awake, 1130. (laughs) 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 Oh, Mo. Robert's on WGN. Go ahead, Robert. Uh, Morning, Nick. A friend of mine, we were roommates in college. Anyhow, he has a nice big farm up in the McHenry County area. Uh-huh. And he loves getting on Route 12 with his combine. <laughs> now, he's allowed to do that. Right, yeah, sure. And he, and he just, and people will try and pass him, and that is 16 feet long. No, I know. I know. You know, and, 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 and again, like your first caller, he's got a massive form, and his pet peeve, now he's a farmer. Yeah. Allowed to be on that road. He comes up on these Mercedes Benz and these brand new cars, and these people are texting. They have they have a brand new car. You can text. You're, you're, these new cars can. You don't have to. And he'll lay on his horn, and that's a massive horn. Yeah. And he said, and like you, people just, you know, he's had people get out of their car, and he, and then he gives them the horn again, looks at them, and goes, "You do realize what I'm driving, don't you?" Yeah. So. But, All right. All right, Robert. Take care, Yeah, mate. you've seen those things out on the road, man. Big old combine. Huge. You ever, Huge. You ever run into, uh, not literally, but you ever come across, uh, like, cows going across a road? Oh, sure. Yeah, or sheep. Well, you know, we drove in Ireland. Yeah. And there's sheep everywhere in certain parts, you know? And they're just out in the middle of the road. You can just go, okay. Got to sit here and wait. Yeah, if you ever drive through Ireland, man, you're going to come. There's no possible way you're not going to come across some sheep in the road. You know, it's so weird too because you know I live in Chicago. Yeah, you know there aren't sheep in the road. No, we just have pedestrians. Yeah, so you know, like just a and not like one or two, like a lot of sheep, a horde. Yeah, and there's there's the shepherd. There's Sean McMurphy. There was nobody out there. No. <laughs> there were no people out there. There were nothing but sheep. There Where was... were we were driving? Where were we driving? <laughs> I can't remember what part of Ireland we were in, because we, we were everywhere in Ireland. 
I can't remember. Let's, with let's say let's say Killarney. You're in Killarney. Maybe. <sighs> Middle of nowhere, really. Beautiful place, though. Mm. Oh. All right. Third worst uh, states. State for driving. Tennessee. Mm. Tennessee has the fifth lowest rate of insured drivers at around 80%. That means a full one-fifth of drivers on the road in the volunteer state are uninsured. Oh, man. Tennessee also has the 12th highest rate for the Google search metric we considered in our analysis with ticket-related searches, occurring 1.63 times as often as searches related to gasoline. Four, Florida. Why am I not surprised? Florida. Did you know, before we get to Florida, did you know that in Tennessee it is legal for the the driver cannot be drinking, but if you are in a car and not driving, you can be drinking in the car? What? Yeah. You, why? I have no idea. But I, <laughs> I was visiting a friend in Tennessee and... Uh, you know, they go to the gas station. We went to the gas station, picked up some beers, you know, just going to hang out. And one of his friends is in the passion, passenger seat, literally pulls out a bottle of Coors and opens the bottle with his seatbelt. With his seatbelt? He just takes out his seatbelt. It's like, what are you doing, man? I was like, I, I'm all I'm all the, here to party, sure, but let's not be stupid. Yeah. It's like, no, it's legal. You can drink in the car as long as you're not driving. That's pretty crazy. I was I was blown That's away. That's pretty crazy. I was blown away. We drove past cops. And he just kind of gives them the, hey. <laughs> Give them a cheers. Yeah, cheers, buddy. <laughs> uh, California comes in fifth. California ranks in the worst 15 of all states for three metrics. It has the 12th highest number of DUI reports arrested at per 1,000 drivers at 4.71. Per 1,000 drivers, 4.71. It has the 11th lowest percentage of drivers who are insured at 84.8. And finally, it has the 10th highest rate in the study for the ratio of the Google searches for speeding ticket and traffic ticket at 1.70. How about Arizona? Arizona has the third highest number of fatalities per 100 million vehicles miles miles driven at 1.53. The state doesn't rank in the worst 10 for the study of any other in any other metric, but it does have the 14th highest rate for Google search uh, that we considered. Uh, Texas and South Carolina tie for the next slot. Uh, I have to say that I'm looking at this, and uh, Illinois is not on the list, so that's good. Yeah, they're not in that top ten. They they yeah. don't they come around somewhere. Uh, we come in at about 36. Yeah? Yeah, right by Iowa, you know. Mm-hmm. Not terrible, not great. Yeah, that's true. You see you see dumb drivers everywhere. It's not just particular states. I mean, maybe some, no. some, some drivers are worse. You know, some states are worse than others in terms of, like, you know, this criteria that they're using. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of lunkhead drivers out there all over the place, you know? I'll say this much. It took me a lot of, it took me some time to get used to the style of driving in the city in terms of like, you have to be more, more on the aggressive side if you're going to get what yeah. you want. Yeah, that's true. You know, especially with some of the busier parts downtown where you're like, you know what? You don't have time to check your, 
your blind spot you know, three times before you take that lane. You better just yeah. take a look, pray for rain, you know, that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. You ever drive in New Oh, you've never been to New York? No. Uh, I've always, I, I, I don't think I ever want to drive there. I never want to be in a car in New York City unless I'm in the back of a taxi. Well, that's even scary. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Guys just... Taxi drivers, taxi drivers drive like maniacs in New York. Everybody drives like a maniac in New York. I'm talking Manhattan. Sure. Or any some of the other boroughs, well, too. I, but I didn't, I didn't think you were talking about the Adirondacks. No, you know? no. I wasn't talking about <laughs> Albany. Although I hear they got a mean streak up there. Yeah. But no, I'm talking in Manhattan or any of the other boroughs. Especially Manhattan, though. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. To I, can't, I can't imagine. I cannot imagine. So... And, and the other thing is, I I kind of don't understand why people in, in who live in Manhattan have a car. Why would you have a car? Do you know how easy it is to get around Manhattan with public transportation, the subway, taxis, walking? <laughs> it's one of the easiest cities to get around in because it's set up so simply. So, and you know how much you know how much it, you know how much it costs to to store a car. Like to put a car in a garage in Manhattan? A million dollars. It's like $500 a month. I think that's it. And that's a low range Jeez. for how much it costs to just put a car in a garage in Manhattan. At that point, why bother? Yeah. A lot of people have a lot of money, though, in Manhattan. So it- yeah, that's, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, you can't, I mean you, can't, you can't not have a lot of money if you're living in Manhattan because everything is expensive. So I was actually living. Uh, I was living in Rupert Murdoch's broom closet, <laughs> and it was still eighteen hundred dollars. Hello, Nick DeGilio here, 720 WGN. Uh, we're live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. Hey, you know, I'm looking up at the uh, the, the screen there with the friends. Yes. When did uh, Matthew Perry, he, he's, he has a goatee in this episode. Oh. Did he have a goatee for a long time? I don't know. I don't know. It's a little weird. Yeah, he's not a facial hair guy. No, he looks, he looks especially good. especially the goatee. Especially <laughs> the, the goatee. I might go for the goatee. I used to have it the goatee. Oh, really? Yeah, for a while. But I, I'm just I've got the beard now. Now you're just slovenly. I hate shaving. It's it's not I great. Hate it. It's not fun. But uh, yeah, I had the goatee for a while. Uh, coming in at nine for the worst states for driving, New Mexico, and then number ten is Alaska. They've got where they have the fifth highest DUI reports. Was that is that all they do in Alaska? Is just get drunk? You know, <laughs> it's cold, and dark, and people just start drinking. <laughs> once the once you've uh, killed enough caribou, yeah, for the season, yeah. Let's try and confirm every cliche about Alaska. <laughs> I think I should go up there. Uh, you know, once uh, 
If they ever legalize weed up there, I think I might just have to go up there and start a dispensary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would be very lucrative. Call it Baked Alaska. Oh, come on, man. (laughs) (sighs) I'm full of these genius ideas. Yeah. Okay. A drive-thru haunted house is coming to Japan. And photos show that it's not for the faint of heart. So it's a drive-thru haunted house. Um, a horror production company created a drive-thru haunted house in Tokyo. Zombies, ghosts, and other creatures will scare our guests as a ghost story plays through their car's speakers. Currently, the event is, sl- is slated for two days, but the production company is considering more dates and times due to the overwhelming response. Um, scream all you want from the confines of your car at Japan's first drive through haunted house. The haunted house is located in a giant garage in Minotoku, uh, Tokyo. Guests will play a ghost story from the car's speakers while zombies, ghosts, and other creatures spook the riders. drive throughs and drive-ins have experienced a recent rise if they become successful to deliver entertainment in a safe way. Everything from art exhibits to strip clubs have found success in the drive through approach. Now the production company, Kawa Garciati, is taking the same model and applying it to a haunted house. Although the event is considered a drive through cars will remain stationary throughout the show. Oh, so you're just sitting in your car. I see. The ghost story will set the scene and creatures will emerge from the darkness to scare the guests. Zombies will crawl on the hood of the car and scare guests throughout the event. Um, At the drive-in haunted house, guests are confined in a car so they can't escape the horror until the end, producer Kenta Iwana, 25, said. Uh, It makes it scarier for them. Haunted houses are a popular summer attraction in Japan, but a majority of them close due to social distancing regulations. Um, haunted houses uh, usually take place in enclosed spaces in close quarters. Producers at the company were brainstorming ways to bring horror and landed on the drive-in model. It worked. The event quickly sold out for its scheduled time slots on the 4th and 5th of July. Due to its success, the production company is considering adding more time slots. It costs about $75 per car. For an extra $10, visitors can have their car covered in fake blood. Uh, and if the guests don't have a car, they can rent one for the experience. Wow. A drive through haunted house. Ten bucks extra if you want blood on your car. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, well, there you go. So there are a lot of weird drive through services. And we can add haunted house to that list, even though you're not driving through it. You're driving in it, stopping, sitting in your car, experiencing it, and then driving out. So the term drive through doesn't really technically apply here. So, but yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm so not surprised that this is a thing that is uh, happening in Japan. Uh, they embrace they embrace the, the horror genre huge in Japan. They love haunted houses. They love everything that's scary. And um, you just tell about some of the insane horror movies that they've made coming out of Japan. 
I mean, we've seen a ton of them here in America, and also, of course, there have been uh, a lot of remakes of uh, Japanese horror movies. But yeah, they take they take they take their horror very seriously in Japan. So I'm not surprised how intense this haunted house is going to be while you're in your car. So you were in Japan, yeah, very briefly, uh, very okay. briefly. All right, I want to go back though. I really want to go back. Well, you can go back for the drive-through haunted house, man. I might have to. I might have to. I I would pay. Was it seventy-five, 75 U.S. Bucks. dollars? Yeah, seventy-five I'd, bucks per car. So you want to load up the car? Yeah, yeah. Let me get eight of my friends to fly to Japan. Right. <laughs> would you pay the extra ten dollars to have your car covered in fake blood? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Of course. <laughs> you have to do that. That's that's a necessary upgrade. Uh-huh. I'm a little disappointed it's not included with the package, but, you know, such is life. <laughs> I'm discovering that they, they charge a lot of money for car stuff now. Like 55 bucks to go to the drive-in. Well, I, with the drive-in, especially right now, who knows what they would be? Do you know what they would normally be charging yeah. at a time like this? Yeah. I, I, I can't even remember. The last time I went to the drive-in, I don't even remember what we paid because um, it was years ago. Yeah. But, like, let's be honest here. These guys have to kind of make their make their nut right now. Like, this is how they are going to pay for so much of the rest of the year for them to exist. So, yeah. and I'm not trying to call it opportunistic, but... If the option is there, you know, Pete, there's a high demand for this and limited space. You can charge a premium if you want to. Now, you know um, that uh, Bruce Campbell is going to be at the Midway Drive-In this weekend. The great Bruce Campbell. The Midway Drive-In, which is run by our friends uh, Mike and Mia Kurz, who... uh, also have to make money considering that they canceled the flashback weekend convention where that's where most of their money is made for the year so they can fund the drive-in anyway he's going to be there bruce campbell is going to be there this weekend and it's the socially social distancing tour um friday uh the 10th box office opens at seven o'clock bruce campbell will be live on stage starting at 8 45 he'll uh do a, a, a one-hour um, presentation and Q&A, followed by Evil Dead 2 at 10 p.m. and Army of Darkness at midnight. And then Saturday, he'll be live on stage again at 8.45. He'll do another hour with a Q&A, followed by uh, the original Evil Dead, The Beyond, and I Drink Your Blood. And that goes till about 4 in the morning. So, yeah. So the the admission here is um, the admission at at Mike and Mia's drive-in is nine fifty. Ooh, per car or per person? Per person, That's twelve years and older. Four dollars for three to three and eleven, and then you have to buy a food permit, which mm. which is required, and it's ten dollars per vehicle. It's not bad. So that's not that's not nearly as expensive as some of the other things. I don't know what they're charging for Bruce Campbell. I mean, he's there this weekend. Yeah, there's going to be a little bit extra there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would think so. I was just curious as to what they charged. 
So I'll just roll in with four people and a sack full of Taco Bell. There you go. Watch what's going on. Uh, let me give you some weather, and then uh, we'll wrap up the show and talk more about some really unusual drive-through services. Right. Nick DeGelio here on 720 WGN. And uh, we're live in the Skyline studio here, 18 stories above beautiful uh, downtown Chicago. And we are here until 4 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, we head over to the TV side of WGN over on Bradley Place. And we get some news and information from them for an hour. And then the great Bob Surratt at 5 o'clock for your morning drive. Uh, 312-981-7200 is the, uh, is the number here. Um. While drive-through windows are often found attached to fast food restaurants and banks, sometimes unlikely businesses also tempt their customers with the convenience of staying in your car. Here's some of them. A little white wedding chapel in Las Vegas, with wedding packages starting at $75 and the cost of a marriage license, a little white wedding chapel is mostly known for its tunnel of love drive-through. Since 1951, the Las Vegas chapel has been the prime site for quickie weddings, including the ones of notable uh, celebrities such as Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward, Frank Sinatra and Mia Farrow, Britney Spears, and Jason Allen Alexander. Uh, they've been seen on site Elvis Presley. They, uh, they have an on-site uh, Elvis Presley impersonator, just in case you need a hunk of hunk of burning love. You can get married by an Elvis impersonator. The Robert L. Adams Mortuary drive through in Compton, California. You're talking about weird drive-thrus. Established in 1974, the Robert L. Adams Mortuary Drive-Thru in Compton, California, aims to, quote, bring the business of death and convenience of the living together. Funeral Home offers drive-thru viewings of the recently deceased behind bulletproof glass. You can come after work. You don't need to deal with parking. You can sign the book outside, and the family knows that you paid your respects. It's It's a convenience thing, says Peggy Scott Adams. Drive through, uh, drive through mortuary there, Tom. That's how I want to be dealt with. Just kind of drop me off. How about the Smart Mart in Memphis? Smart Mart is a gas station and automated drive-through convenience store in Memphis, Tennessee. Customers drive up to one of the store's four ATM-like touchscreen display kiosks and select the items they'd like to buy. Once purchased, a series of conveyor belts and Computer-operated dispensers go to work to search and assemble your order. It spits out the items underneath the kiosk itself. Well, that sounds mighty convenient. Daiquiri Bay Cafe in Louisiana. Believe it or not, there's a bar in uh, New Orleans that serves alcoholic beverages from a drive through window. Well, why is that hard to believe? It's in New Orleans. Right. Well, I know I was shocked when I first heard about people having drive-through liquor stores. Like I, I'd never heard of that before. A drive-through liquor store? Yeah, I don't know where the are they in Wisconsin and stuff like that. I, I don't. I have no idea. I've never seen one. Like yeah, it's like a drive-up window, and they just hand you your booze. 
The Daiquiri Bay Cafe, or DBC Bar and Grill, is a unique drinking experience in Louisiana. Due to the very loose open container laws in New Orleans, you can drive up to a service window, buy a strawberry daiquiri, and as long as it's served in a closed container uh, without a straw inside. The Christian Life Center in Fort Lauderdale. If you're driving down West Commercial Boulevard in Fort Lauderdale and have a sudden need to find solace and meaning in life, then pull into the Christian Life Center's Divine drive through Every Friday, the church prayer team joins motorists behind the wheel in a prayer to God. Um, we want to be able to uh, minister to our community here in Broward County, Pastor Saul Levy told uh, the Channel 7 News. And, um, and what better way could we uh, uh, serve people by catching them getting home from work? Um, how about uh, the Cokian Law Firm in Manchester, Connecticut? It's a law, f- a drive-through law firm. The offices of the Cokian Law Firm's Manchester, Connecticut branch used to be the location of a Kenny Rogers Roaster fast food chicken restaurant. <laughs> Instead of remodeling the building, the firm's lawyers decided to keep the drive through window and use it to offer clients convenient law services. I mean, frankly, I was getting my law service from the Kenny Rogers place, but, you know, it's all the same. We represent a lot of injured people, said attorney Nick Cokian. Uh, if you have somebody who's in a wheelchair, somebody who's hurt, it's convenient. Hey, uh, you, do, you, do you remember the hamburger joints uh, checkers? Yeah, they're still around, aren't they? Uh, no, a lot of them closed down in the city. Oh, yeah. A lot of them closed down. But you know what they became? Without changing the facade. You know how they just said that they didn't change the facade of the building? And you know checkers had a, has a very, very distinctive you know, facade. Yeah, checkers and rallies, yeah. Yeah. You know what? The, you know they got the drive-through, they got the color scheme, all that stuff. Uh, they turned into a loan, a, a loan, loan building, like play, place where you can get loans. Oh, <laughs> so you get like a drive-through loan? They did not change the building at all. They just oh put up a God. sign that said, you know, loan, <laughs> loans. Because the thing with checkers is that they're they're only drive through, right? Except I think some of them have, maybe have like picnic tables. I think it's yeah. I think it is only drive through. Only drive through. Yeah. I think they might have might have like the fastest burger in the United States. Like they could get it to you in less than sixty seconds. I used to eat it when when the factory theater was up in Rogers Park. Oh, there was a checkers up there. Oh my god, Devon and uh, I want to say Devon and Broadway, Devon and Clark. Um. Yeah, because we were up in Rogers Park on Loyola, right by the Loyola stop. And uh, every time I went to the theater for a rehearsal or for any for a perform checkers, right there, R- roll right through that. Checkers. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's terrible for you. Yeah, but it's good. It's good. It's terrible for you. Uh, how about a uh, the Simcoe drive through art gallery? In Simcoe, Ontario. The downtown Simcoe drive through Art Gallery is an annual community art show in the heart of a small town in Simcoe, Ontario. People can simply drive down Peel Street to view mural, murals, banners, and paintings created by fellow townspeople. Each piece is placed along the town streets for, for, for free and free to view. All right, that's cool. A little drive through art exhibit. Yeah, that's cool. Get cultured from your car. 
Farm Stores, various locations in Florida. Since 1957, Farm Stores has been an all-in-one grocery store, bakery, and restaurant serving fresh fruits, vegetables, and milk to their uh, customers. With dozens of locations throughout the state of Florida, Farm Stores is an easy way to go shopping. Just pull into one of the two drive through lanes, tell the attendant what you want, and they'll fulfill your order, all without leaving your car. How about this? drive through voting booths. Martinez, California. Uh, in Martinez, California, the Contra Costa County Clerk of Elections Department set up a drive through voting booth so citizens could simply drop off their ballots instead of finding a parking space, walking into the building and waiting in line to vote. We have a lot of foot traffic that traditionally comes into the office and clogs the parking lot, clogs other businesses going into the office. And uh, the Westerville Public Library um, in Westerville, Ohio. The Westerville Public Library has been an institution in Westerville, Ohio, since it first opened in 1930. And to make things easier for their patrons, the Westerville Public Library opened up a drive through window in 99. Now the people of Westerville can reserve items online and pick them up without leaving their cars. That's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's a good idea. And then finally, the Sarah Woods Bible Church. In Old Bridge, New Jersey, every Christmas, members of the Sarah Woods Bible Church in Old Bridge, New Jersey, put on a drive-through The Christmas Story, a live-action recreation of the birth of Jesus Christ, told through 10 vignettes. Cars are given a CD that includes holiday music and narration, which they can play as they drive through the elaborate nativity scene. It's free, open to the public, and it runs the majority of the holiday season. Sounds cool, man. All right. So uh, that's the show. We'll be back uh, tomorrow. Um, live comedy is going to return to Zanies. There's going to be restrictions, of course, but we'll tell you how you can get your socially distanced laughs.